Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. with a lot of time. Throws it out to the right side. Has a completed pass to Travis Hunter. And Hunter's still on his feet. Dancing around, making a gain of 17. This is 365 Sports. Powered by Sikkim365.com. Jones throws. He's got his receiver open. Badger spins. And Badger stayed on his feet and got the first down. 65 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Sixty-five Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Penix looks to the end zone, and it's caught. Oh, Dunze, spectacular catch. Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. He's into the red zone. He's inside the 10. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Nix, Pumphy takes off. In the clear, Bo Nix. There he goes. He won't be caught. He's done it again. Now here's David Smoke. Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go. 365 Sports on this Friday, August the 11th. We take you up until 6 o'clock or a little bit after that central time. Uh, We will have Mountain West Commissioner Gloria Navarez on the show today, but it may not be right at 325, so stay tuned. We're going to be moving that maybe around a little bit. We also have David Teal, who covers the ACC. Uh, Essen Kassam, who covers Florida State. Will Vandervoort played at Clemson, covers Clemson. To give me and you and Paul and Craig a chance to understand where each of these fan bases are as of today. And it, it, it's going to be interesting what happens here in this month of August on how much and how much that Florida State perhaps continues to push the envelope, along with whatever might happen with Cal Stanford. And, of course, SMU has been at least in that conversation. Let's get to some good stuff right off the top football news. Earlier today, Joseph Duarte, who's been on this show, covers Houston, the University of Houston, and Oklahoma 
will have announced a home-and-home football series that will be next year in September, and then four years later, they'll come back. Oklahoma will be in Houston. Does that fill one of the Oklahoma-Georgia games? Would that be that yeah, in 2024? Might do, yeah. yeah. Might, might, it might. That uh, that went away because of the conference realignment. Yeah, that's going to be great. Look, I hope we see more Big 12 and SEC games, more cross-conference stuff. That's what um, everybody wants, right? We want to, to see good games all the time. That's what realignment's about. Well, they could stop short of you know moving the conferences around and just schedule a little bit tougher, especially now with the 12-team playoff. Uh, there's some benefit to it, and there's not as much penalty to – you know, look, if it, just say in 2028, Houston and Oklahoma are really good. Uh, at the same time, there's no real penalty for them, either one of them losing that game early on in the season. We need to see more of that. So I'm all for it. Go. Let's see more and more stuff. And for, uh, you know, for Houston, if you get a win over Oklahoma, it's a big boon for you. For Oklahoma, it gives you a chance to, uh, you know, sneak down into Houston and say, like, hey, we're going to, we're we'll replaying a big game there. Yeah, also gives you seven home games. Uh, they also announced that they had added Maine to the schedule as well uh, for 2024. So filling out their non-conference. And, um, you know, I think Houston's, given who you're going to be playing in the SEC, that's a, you know, respectable non-conference yep. opponent that uh, fills your, your needs or your requirements, however you're, you know, filling out uh, the you know, rest of that schedule. So I think that's great for Houston. Um, massive for them. They're the first Big 12 school to – you know, uh, ink a deal with Oklahoma post-departure uh, to play them. So who knows who might follow? You know, Texas Tech's been very loud and, and really brash about Texas not wanting to play them. Remember the whole disagreement about Texas Tech came out and said that they had agreed to a home-and-home, home and then Texas was like, wait a second, uh, or they had agreed that they were going to schedule each other, and then Texas said, well, we didn't, like, fully officially agree on that. And so that went to the wayside, and I know that – Tech's kind of taking some shots at Texas, like, hey, we're here. Like, what are you scared of? And, um, you know, I say that because I think it's going to be interesting to see, okay, when does Texas start, you know, adding maybe a TCU or a Baylor or a Tech or someone like that to the non-conference schedule to try to keep some of those rivalries alive. And now I see Oklahoma uh, not keeping a rivalry alive, but, you know, playing a, a Big 12 team, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, that, I think that's great for the Cougars, and that'll be, a, you know, a nice game for Oklahoma as well. So there's that. 24 will be at Oklahoma. 28 will be in Houston. Houston, remember, had that huge win back when Herman was there. And it, they were highly ranked, and it looked like, man, maybe good enough to run the table as a, a group of five. And then, of course, that, that died on the vine as the season progressed. Now, uh, John Canzano. Oh, part of that, too, is there you, you got to have uh, four non-conference games. That's the other thing. The SEC, they played the, yeah. the nine with the Big 12, so when you move to eight – that all of a sudden left you with another one. So that's why you, you needed both those. John guys. Canzano, who has uh, written a lot about the Pac-12 the last 13-plus months. Let's leave these up a little bit, Garrett. He, uh, he had a story released on his site, his newsletter, and the title of it was, The Gun Was Empty, The Downfall of the Pac-12. So this is part, that's, that's the tweet. I read the article, and here are some of the quotes that stood out to me. On... Just did overall, the overall story. Uh, the gun was empty. That's How so many smart people can make such stupid decisions. That's from a Pac-12 insider. All right, another one. This is in reference to um, a conversation with ESPN about 
trying to work out a TV deal, a media deal. Go down to the like the one that has the Pac-12 conference conversation, Garrett. It's like the third or fourth one. So, no, the next one. There you go. So, Pac-12 conversation with John Canzano. This is a source to me. You know what? We, we told ESPN after the $30 million per school offer back in the fall of 2022, we, we said we want $50 million, not 30 Then, Canzano, what, what was the ESPN response and the source? Goodbye. Yeah, that's – there you go. There's your first mistake. And then once you got the no on the $50 million, do you not go back and say, well, what about 35 and then, you know, 40? And that that to me is where when you thought like, well, somebody's going to give it to us. Well, if ESPN told you no on 50 million and they're the ones who have most of the college football, then who is going to well, give that to They you? didn't even tell you no. They just hung up. Yeah. That, that's, that's how offend. Like ESPN sounds like they were pissed. Like, wait a minute, we're trying to get this moving. And, and of course, the Big 12 ended up with an average of 31.7, and that's where a lot of the money came from. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, unfortunate for them. I feel like we keep, you know, every day, no, new shovel of dirt on the Pac-12 and how they handled all this from every direction. And now even the folks who were really their support system throughout the entire last couple of years are, you know, turning the, the shovels their direction now. Not that he nor others didn't, you know, along the way make mention of some of the pitfalls and, and the mistakes that they made. But now it's just glaringly obvious because now they've they've had so many fractures uh, become public to where you can't tell everybody, no, we got a TV deal coming still. No, we got to just, just trust us. Oh, no, y'all are, y'all are, Y'all are the liars. We've got a TV deal coming, and then, you know, just keep doing that and expecting somebody, I guess, to eventually forget about it. Um, no, I mean, rent was due, and uh, they didn't have, you know, the the rent check, and uh, everybody went their separate ways, and now, yeah, we're doing the, uh, the uh, I guess, moratorium on them, and so to speak. Not that they're, they're all the way gone just yet, because as uh, we know, there's a lot of irons in the fire with the Mountain West and the ACC and all the stuff that's potentially going on there. But it uh, doesn't surprise me that Hubris has been mentioned as, as part of their downfall. Um, just not being realistic has been mentioned. A lot of different things can be mentioned. But, yeah, when that's kind of how it starts off apparently is you're offered 30 and they say 50 and you're, you're that brash about it. Well, I'm not all that surprised that that's how it ended up, uh, the way it ended up in and, the end. And maybe even though, as even was written in The Athletic, how the networks kind of went back – to Fox, uh, to Pac-12 at the end with, like, mental, uh, uh, mini-type offers as far as it. That's why ESPN never got back involved. Fox, because they had been, they're so in as ESPN is with various conferences. Now, go back to the Doug Perlman. He was in, uh, he was like uh, the guy brought in as a kind of a uh, consultant, so to speak, on the media deal. Um, Doug Perlman was way too nice and mild, in my view, said one source with knowledge of the negotiation. You need a cold blood. You need cold blooded killers in that business. Well, uh, that's where the difference between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 comes in. The Pac-12 hired Endeavor, which is an ever gigantic growing company, and George Klyovkov hired a buddy of his from law school. Like those two, that's where the, the past diverge in the woods, so to speak. And so that's why they were able to cut in line is because 
Brett Yormark said, okay, who do I hire? Who do I get involved in this to help us with our media negotiation? Well, how about this gigantic company, um, you know, full of people who are, you know, trying to take over the world right now. Let's do that. And George Klaufkaus was like, well, I know this guy from law school. He's pretty good at this. Let me bring him in. And then while I do think you need to keep the circle tight where the story kind of goes on and says is he kept it really too small. And then it was just, okay, what's going on? What's going on? Well, we don't want too many people, you know, we want too many cooks in the kitchen and all that. And that's fine. But it got to the point where nobody who needed to know any information had any until two weeks ago. Yeah, you heard all that. There's always one person, one other person in the room when it comes to the media deals. All right, here's another one. One, pl- uh, one well-placed conference source. Fox obviously screwed us. I would argue that after the initial ESPN offer in the fall, that ESPN was no friend. No kidding. Goodbye, click. So there's another part of this story. Well, I mean, look, Fox... It's got to, def- I mean, they're heavily invested in the Big Ten. Heavily invested in the Big Ten. So when the Big Ten, whose network is owned and run by Fox, took two of your schools, mm-hmm. why would you think of them as an ally going in in the first place? That would have been tenuous at best. That's where, that's where it's like one of those things if you like sat down with somebody during all this process and like, well, we're going to talk to Fox and like, do you really think that they want to talk to you? Because they kind of just told you what they wanted and left a year ago. Yeah, you know, going back to the comment about how all these smart people, like I don't know how that was worded or whatever, but I got the gist of it was, you know, how could you have so many smart people and, and be making such dumb or just, you know, uh, fateful decisions? And uh, I, I wish I had an explanation. I mean, you know, instead of maybe mocking people or talking trash, uh, you would have listened a little bit and not just dismissed everything as conspiracy or endeavor-driven or whatever, and you would have heard all of the exact problems that were being laid out that were directly on your doorstep that you chose to, I guess, you know, dismiss as something else, some agenda, and instead, at the end of the day, all the stuff that you were told turned out to be true. Uh, I mean, for, you know, like... Uh, one thing Canzano pointed out, Bob Thompson, what was he saying to us when he first started to be a, a guy on this show and then everybody else started talking to him as well? He was very clear in his messaging about the pack and what he thought, and Canzano pointed out that at one point in time, way back, he said, what's the pack 12 worth per school? $30 million. What were they then being offered? About $30 million. What were they demanding? $50 million. And it's like, read the room, buddy. Read the room. Hey, by the way, Big 12's going to market a year early. Read the room a little bit. Hey, Brett, your mark's being very aggressive at poaching your teams. Read the room a little bit. Hey, the Big 10's not saying no, and you're trusting them. For what reason? We don't know because they let the alliance fizzle out the moment that they, they had an opportunity to. Read the room a little bit. Like, I, I mean, just what more arrows do you need pointed in the direction of where this was headed but instead no let's just dismiss it as a bunch of football fanatics in the the middle of the country who are just trying to stir up a bunch of drama where there is none really so I mean that hubris that arrogance that just I guess not hearing what was being said for a long time uh you know and hey if you want to see a show you're like they don't know what they're talking about well Bob Thompson does you know uh Patrick Craig's they have a little idea of how the tv business works so you know, at least maybe take into account that there's a little droplet or two of information that could, you know, be, you know, useful. How about call up Bob Thompson, one of you guys, and talk to him yourselves, and maybe they did that. But, yeah, I mean, none of none of this unpacking is a surprise. I mean, it was all at their feet. And I know there there is some element of this, of the Fox part of it, and 
conspiring and, and things like that that it's probably still going to continue to be talked about. But, I mean, like we've said from day one and like we've said, I think, every day since all this happened, it's all at their own feet, really. Uh, there was a little help. There was a little nudge here and there. But ultimately, they had a TV deal in front of them they could have taken, and they thought they were worth almost double what the offer was, and they clearly were not. Uh, well, and now they're trying to figure out how to survive. And, and, and again, uh, it was self-inflicted. And, yes, then when you are an injured animal, that's when other animals feel like they can maybe go in for the kill. And well, that's what happened, too. It also reeks of a company, and I'm, I'm calling the Pactola company because this is that kind of a negotiation, but sometimes the heads of companies hire people who tell them what they want to hear and not what they need to hear, and then those companies have problems because they haven't heard what they needed to hear, and I'm not sure the Pac-12 had enough voices in their orbit because, you know, there are a lot of people saying just all over the place what they needed to hear of like, hey... You know, this has happened to a bunch of other people before you. It's happening to you now. And, you know, I think I used this analogy back before. If you've ever seen a disaster movie, you know, the aliens are coming. There's a meteor. You know, the volcanoes are going to come up. I mean, as stupid as the premises are, some of those movies, there's always somebody who's going to the president going, hey, Mr. President, we have to evacuate. And the president kind of listens to them. And then there's the dude who tells the president, like, no, 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 Mr. President, we... We, that, that guy's a crackpot and yeah. then sends them out the thing and then the, the White House blows up. Yeah, independence. And yeah. then the White House blows up. And you're like, oh, okay, well, should have listened to the crackpot, you know, right. as opposed to the yes man. Yeah, right, and it's just, you know, it's not even like so much about Big 12 fans or whatever. It's just, you know, the, the writing was out there. No, I mean, it, yeah. was, it was very clear. I mean, the discussions, and, and, you know, here was the thing too is like, you know, we're talking about it and and then at one point, like, when every major media outlet is suddenly talking about, is that not a sign that maybe there's, you know, if you want to dismiss this person or this, you know, uh, avenue or this, you know, show or whatever, like that's, that's fine. And, and totally you're right. Even though we know from comments that were made that, you know, people like Kirk Schultz were listening to, sh- to this show and others. Um, I just, I think when all of a sudden it's Ross Dellinger and it's, you know, Dennis Dodd and it's every single person you can imagine is writing realignment, 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 Pac-12, 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 Big 12, what's going on, four corners, all this stuff, and you still keep acting like nothing's an issue, it's like they're not just doing that for clicks. You realize that, right? Like, I know that's always the accusation when somebody doesn't want to believe something. It's like, oh, well, that's just for clicks. But no, there's there's something you're not just publishing for that like there's something behind that and that's why the Colorado thing kept bubbling and I, I just I don't know how they refused to see what was right there um, as we know though there were people that just refused to no matter what because of academics like just no matter what the TV money was they liked their school better and and their their partnerships and all of that how that you know translated to somehow they weren't going to be able to do any of those things if they were playing football somewhere else never made sense to me but regardless it uh, doesn't really matter now. So, yeah, I mean, they, they can only look in the mirror, and you can point at a couple of other places and say, okay, Fox did this or USC did this, but, I mean, it's all in the, in the mirror. One more quote to get to from the article. And this one probably, if you're John, this one hurts a little bit. And anything we ever get with whoever is feeding us something, maybe because they want it out or that we are the ones who get the information – you still have to double and triple check that if you possibly can. Pac-12, we heard this all of the time, that certain people were put out there um, to discuss the Pac-12. Klyovkov and Robbins at Arizona, who then calls Dennis Dodd. Uh, all of that meant something. That, they were trying to get it out. 
And so... Because it came in waves, remember? Yes, it would be like it did. the Big 12 would Schultz, have momentum. And, and then, then Utah. Yeah, then there was that week where it was like four presidents yep. spoke in one week. And then two weeks went by with kind of quiet. And then they popped and, up again. And, and then yeah. Colorado. And yeah. then... Stif- uh, yeah, so... Um, we are together. This is Oregon State President Murphy. We are together on this. We've got confidence in the future, the Pac-12, and we know things are going to be good. Kenzano then says, I later found out that the Pac-12 commissioner, Klyovkov, had spent 45 minutes briefing the president of Oregon State shortly before our interview. See, this is where I feel bad for him, and I don't, in that... Um, you kind of think he should have wondered that. But, I mean, again, you get sources that you trust and you go with it. I'm not trying to let him off the hook here, but that stings. Is that when you find that out, like, oh, this guy gave me an interview, and then none of it was sincere. It was all party line stuff. And that's why you do, like, you run the risk of really getting yourself stuck when you deal in absolutes. Because there's very few things in the world that are absolute. And... That's what was so strange about the people who were absolutists when it came to the Pac-12 and, you know, you know, people who had, again, experienced it other places in the country were like, man, I, this feels awful familiar. Like, you know, if if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck kind of a thing. And it was just like, no, 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 no. And that was the, the whole thing. And, it, you know, here you find out like, oh, no, the, the Pac-12 has been trying to feed – propaganda through you and that that's never a good feeling so explain that i'm sorry but explain that to me so he did an interview no uh the oregon state president did an interview okay and canzano saying that he later found out that before the interview that kleofkov had a 45 minute briefing with her on talking points now for example if a president's going to be on university president where there are talking points and they're prepped just like the white house is or whoever or a senator but that it was pretty much, hey, this is, we need to get to this, this, and this. It's very much what sound like happened with Robbins at Arizona when all of a sudden he was out and talking. And he did a lot, and he was always pretty steady with it. But he was out, and it was found out that perhaps that was Klyovkov. Hey, we need somebody right. out in front of this, please just to like neuter some of the negativity yeah i think uh when the book is written or the i know there's various articles now it will be uh you know that will be one of the things mentioned is is why you know didn't they approach this a little bit differently in the pr side of it and maybe act a little bit earlier and all those types of things so yeah i see what you're 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 getting at there now and um that yeah makes you wonder of whatever happens with the pack four and again, we can talk. There's been no action. You know, the ACC uh, stuff is still brewing out there. We don't know how that's going to work. Uh, obviously, there's the Mountain West and the American, and there's there's options, but not, no real clear, super clear path right now. But one of the options is still like somehow staying together and being a, an autonomous five uh, for, you know, a couple more years based on what I was reading out of Ross Dellinger's article earlier. Um, is that a status I believe would maintain for like a two-year period mm-hmm. and then rolls off and they clearly would – would not be in a position right now to be in a, a, an autonomy five moving forward um, without that, you know, maybe a little buffer stretch there. But uh, if you are those pack four, I mean, you're, he's still in charge. I mean, I, I guess he, he's still the, the commissioner, so to speak. But if you're going to stay together, then I don't think that that's going to be a relationship that, that stands the test of time, given what all's out there and what we're discussing right now. So, yeah, a lot of moving parts still and a lot to figure out. And, and I really just – remain uh, very saddened for Oregon State and for Washington State and 
you know, to a lesser extent, Cal and Stanford, because I think they're going to be presented with better options ultimately or be better off, um, you know, than the other two uh, because of their situation. So, yeah, that, that just sucks that uh, people were getting played. I just got an email earlier today. Gloria Navarez of San Diego State called, uh, excuse me, oh, my God, Mountain West called Paul, had her times mixed up. It looks like we're going to have to push her back. I hate that. Hate it. But she had she made a mistake. We'll try to see what we can do. Most likely have her circle back with us on Monday of next week. Now, a few more things to get to. Who knows what happens between now and then. Yeah. <laughs> it might have actually be better Mark, timing. Who knows? Mark Shipper, fifth down college football. I saw this this morning. I'm kind of just combing through a, some of the timeline as you wake up. and um, I'm deeply am- ambivalent about Cal and Stanford. They've all been invited this reckoning, and now it's come. Elite universities, beautiful campuses, but both surrender generations of fans to the NFL while uh, – scorning, mocking, and turning their noses up at big-time college sports. Ye shall know them by their fruits. One other quote from him, and I believe it. There's not another one there, uh, Garrett? Yeah, it's these two. The next two. Okay. I can't. Okay. Okay. Hold on just a second. I couldn't. I saw the other one very clearly, this one. Uh, he, he, so he talked about them being, he's very ambivalent. Ambivalent to that. Ambivalent. Uh, had Cal and Stanford kept caring about college football and college basketball like they did in the 40s and 50s and early 60s, the Pac-12 still would stand beside their former peers in the Big Ten and SEC as they had for the preceding eight years. The Bay brand went from a luxury yacht to a dinghy. I mean, he's right, but, like, I mean, it's just pouring on, really. I mean, I, I understand the messaging, but I feel like everybody's pretty much identified, the, again, the hubris. Like, it, that's that's what was their downfall, and that's well-documented. That's now in Sharpie on their, you know, potential death certificate if it gets to that point. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's right, but I think he's just saying what everybody else already kind of knows and has said at some point or another these past few days is – uh, again, as we started off the show, uh, this is a conference that thought it was worth $50 million per team when everybody told them it was 30 and they, you know, were flipping about that or thought that, you know, they were still right and everybody else was wrong and, you know, uh, pushed this thing all the way to the brink of uh, almost extinction. So, I mean, yeah, but that's just, again, I feel like that's just piling on, really. I mean, we've, we've established they were arrogant. Uh, Cal and Stanford, you know, uh, are still displaying a little bit of that because obviously they're going to be selected. Like they don't want to go to the Big Twelve per se, you know, whatever. Um, all that's very clear. There's there's a little bit of elitism that went on. All that's very clear. So yeah, we can keep talking about their arrogance, and if that makes everybody feel better, that's great. But I, I'm at this point kind of feeling for their fan bases because they keep piling on, and they didn't do anything wrong. But yeah, I mean, he he laid it out there like a, a few have, and. Uh, again, it goes back to the mirror and, and this whole situation, that's where it starts and ends. Thank you to everybody that's already joined us today. Those of you in the chat room, text line 254-339-1122 and also listening on the app sponsored by Alan Samuels in Waco. From Trey Smith, things are trending. He covers the American Conference, media credentialed, trending towards the AAC getting all four or none at all. Hardest part of realignment is the fluidity Things change by the hour. Stanford, the ultimate domino. If ACC is a no, if any final Hail Mary to the Big Ten is a no, then let's party and Oresco is on his A game right now. Well, I mean, that's that's someone who's very well thought of, Mike Oresco, uh, in the college football world. I I think that's 
that or the Mountain West are their best options right now because I don't think the I don't think the Big Ten's calling because I think they could have just done that last week uh, when they they had vetted Oregon and Washington already before. You can't tell me that they didn't. There's a reason they didn't vet Stanford and Cal or they didn't get down the road with them because they could have said. You know, to me, what's the difference between 18 and 20? You're having to blow everything up anyway. Um, if you're adding these these schools, I think that they're going to have to again get over the what they thought of. Well, we've got this big, you know, academic conglomerate, and if we can get here and here, you know, look, the Americans got Rice. Rice has got some really good schools in it. It's got Navy, SMU. Like, SMU. So it's got good academic, you know, schools in it, and maybe just maybe. You need to realize this is not about that. And here's the deal. If you're Stanford, you can be in Cal. You can Nobody's going to take away your grant because you're, you're playing football against Tulsa. If you're doing the work, you're doing the work. Like, I don't understand. Like, yeah, I know you have these things that may have fallen apart, but if you're already down the road and you're doing this research or you've got this, nobody's going to say, well, Stanford, uh, you're, you're lower now because uh, you've got to play a game against UTSA. We're sorry. They're not. So that's all in your head. It's funny that you mentioned Tulsa, though, because that's where my mind was like, hey, here's Stanford traveling to Tulsa for a football game. That's just, uh, I don't think, was in anybody's cards. But I guess that's you know something that's potentially out there. I mean, as far as markets go, and I know, again, they don't go exactly together. But, I mean, in the American Conference right now, you've got, what, Memphis, and you'd have Dallas, and you'd have Philly, and you'd have uh, Tampa, and you'd have uh, Tulsa's actually a pretty big city, yeah. but you know I, I know that's not maybe like the, the other ones that I mentioned, but it's it's not a small city by any stretch. You got Charlotte new to it. Uh, Florida Atlantic is you know Miami esque uh, in a way. Um, you've got Denton, which is not it's, it's a little farther outside. It's not DFW, no, um, no. but it's you know North Texas. It's like Humboldt at Houston. Yeah, or something like yeah. That. It's 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 not DFW, but it's the whole thing's one big huge right. City, yeah. um, Birmingham, which is a college football hotbed. So you know, there's a mixture of cities there. But yeah, it's it's not anything that Cal or Stanford signed up for. So uh, if Maresco was able to pull that off, I and mean, that'd be awesome for the American uh, Athletic Conference, and uh, he would. You know, be a guy that uh, has a, a big hit after being the guy who earlier this year, uh, or what was it, late last year, whenever he was coming out with a statement talking about the strength of the American and, you know, uh, how they were tired of the Power Five label not being, or the way it was being applied to certain schools and not to, uh, you know, the American. They didn't like that. And he's been outspoken. So if he were to, you know, walk into the situation and grab Cal and Stanford, that'd be a huge coup for him. And we have to give him some props, but. There's there's a lot of irons in the fire because that's well if the ACC decides not to do anything and if the Big Ten decides not to do anything and if the pack stays doesn't stay together and if so there's a lot of levers that still need to be pulled but the American seems to be in a good spot if you know the the right moment comes for them. Bobby B Tulsa has a million people. I didn't know. Yeah, that's a big city. Big city. All right, one more thing. When I was there, speaking of ACC, Ross Dellinger. Uh, the media companies understand uh, what makes fans love college football. That was the question um, about what's going on. No, go back, to, go back to that one. Go. They have met. We knew that. Uh, George Klyovkov, you know. Wasn't there. Not there. Next move depends on what happens for the big brands inside Stanford's pursuit ACC, Independence, the ACC, or AAC in the Mountain West. And then there's this quote from Ross Dellinger in the article, too, when he's talking about the ACC and where they are right now with these teams. It's up there. I can't. 
if you can't add, see it all that way. If you add four schools, you would have an argument to keep the college football playoff autonomy five. That's from a Pac-12 source, but it would be an uphill battle. Seemed like a lot of negatives. It is. Take these two comments from two different administrators at AAC schools where programs earn about 8 or $9 million a year in distribution. The fear is that Stanford and or Cal would eventually go to the Big Ten and they'd leave us behind. Why is their deal better than what we have now? So some of the positives, of course, restarting the Pac-12, you're joining the conference, one of the most storied brands in college sports. Uh, but the most notable plus is that the league, if preserved, has millions coming from the NCAA tournament cash. They do, but it's not a lot of money. Like, it's it's when you break it down, it's like $1 to $2 million per team, and that's not going to ultimately do much for you. And that may be per year, but, I mean, still, that's not uh, that's a three-year stretch. That's not something that just continues on, you know, infinitely. So, yeah, you're, you're getting some more money, especially for the smaller schools. You're getting more money than you typically be getting, but it's not like, a, you know, striking it striking it rich and a gold rush coming your way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're dangling. Like, there's, you know, discussions about Power 5 status and, and what that's going to look like, and a lot of that hinges on how this, uh, how this goes the rest of the way. But, um, yeah, I mean, there is, there's a way to see why keeping the pack together would be tempting for some of those schools, but to pretend as though it would remain as we've known it would be – foolish uh and would not be anywhere close to close to the truth even if there are four original members so um yeah it's uh it's a very interesting situation with a lot of different potential outcomes um and one of those is likely moving to a power four so is that on the minds of tulsa or temple or these american schools or these mountain west schools or whatever uh that hey we're gonna go and then it's just gonna be basically like where we are but with the two to four bigger teams but still not going to have an automatic invite, you know, past a certain point. Not going to have, you know, that autonomy, power. Uh, so is that worth all of the shuffling of the chairs? That's a question that they'll have to answer. Um, but I could see where that, that might be appealing given, you know, one's uh, individual circumstance, those millions of extra dollars in basketball money, even if it's not, you know, life-saving, life-changing money. It could be, you know, program-changing money for a couple of those schools. So. Yeah. Uh, the only way I could see the Pac-12 making or the Pac remaining is, like, just say a merger with the Mountain West where the Mountain West just all agrees, we're going to call ourselves the Pac now. Um, we're going to forego all these things and, you know, these exit fees, and we'll just sign a contract that wipes that away, and then we're, we're going to join up with the, with the Pac-4, and we'll be the Pac whatever now, and that guarantees us an autonomy conference, but I would think the other autonomy conferences would have something to say about that mm. where they can't, they'd be like, well, you know, you yeah. can't, you can't just pull a rabbit out of your hat and say, everything's, we're I know, still I good, know right? Sankey and, uh, and Petiti would, and I think you're marking them and Phillips would too. Yeah. Now they can't say at a lower number of schools. Uh, was it uh, six, six schools for two years? Mm-hmm. And so there's that possibility. You'd add, let's say SMU and San Diego state or something. Right. And you'd be complete. But um, again, you're really at the mercy of everybody else because what does the ACC do? What does the or, you know the Big Ten do? And what does the Big 12 potentially do? Like, they're not just... I know what was said this week on this very show by Jamie Pollard and on this very show by Mac Rhodes, two of the athletic directors in the Big 12, basically saying, we're done. Like, there's no more TV money. We're done. They said that on this program in the last few days. Uh, but, you know, if something were to shift, I think, yeah, you'd, you'd still be out there on the hunt and then on the prowl, and there would be some teams like in Oregon State potentially that would be worthwhile to you. And, and so, yeah, I, I don't know, like, in this case of what's the 
Like, when does that that domino drop that proceeds to cause all of the others to drop? You know what I mean? Like, I guess the ACC, would that be first? Or would, I guess the PAC would be first, but they've got to ensure that nobody else is leaving. So it's just a, it's a weird deal, man. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at some point you're going to have to make a decision. And as you mentioned with that clip earlier, as I talked about, like George Klyovkov isn't talking with those four schools or they met without him. And whatever you do, if you are going to stay together and keep your autonomy status for a couple more years and then, you know, just do what you do after that, there's still always going to be that threat of those schools, a like Cal or a Stanford, leaving in the mind of those newcomers, right? And who's leading Wait, it? But can they leave? Well, no, that would not be a granted right Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you still have no TV deal. You have, like, all that's got to be taken care of. So you don't even know what the money actually looks like. And there's the whole thing with Klyovkov. You're going to have to go find a new commissioner because they're not going to want to continue to operate under him if they're already meeting separate of him to figure out what they want. So there's a lot that uh, I can only imagine if you're Pat Chun and all these other leaders uh, out there right now who are are scrambling. uh, You know, they've been out doing the media rounds the last couple of days and whatnot, but there's a lot to uh, try and figure out. Speaking of the college football playoff, Craig, you and Paul discussed this a little bit earlier about did they get that spot? Yeah. Dennis Dodd today with a story on CBS Sports and basically cold, hard numbers on what consolidation has wrought in realignment. One nugget in both the NCAA Constitution and college football playoff. Essentially, one vote could keep a league from an, uh, an autonomous status. Autonomous is the five school or five conferences and everybody under their umbrella. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So the other four and Notre Dame conferences and Notre Dame would have to go. Yeah, we're fine with this plan that you have. And at this point, I don't think anything is guaranteed, especially when you could essentially create another playoff spot for one of your guys. And that's really what all this is about. Right. Anyway, is every, every man for themselves. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So where after two conferences have raided the crap out of you and nobody's really been there to stick up for you in the room anyway, why do you think everybody's going to be altruistic now because they feel bad? Mm-hmm. Because they said in the media that <laughs> Cal and Stanford have to have a place in football. You know, like that's some of the, the Jack Swarbrick comment that got a lot of play yesterday. And, you know, again, what's being said out front is not necessarily what's being said behind closed doors. I think the actions of the last, you know, couple of years have proven that. So, yeah, keep your head on a swivel and don't trust anybody. Um, but... Um, it's hard to imagine a scenario where no matter what the pack does, they're going to remain a, a a five. Um, I just, I don't know how, if you're the other, you know, particularly the, the two that have kind of been the ones, you know, pulling the strings behind the scenes with the TV networks, at least the way it, the way it appears, you know, or the ones that are expected to be the, the big power two eventually. I mean, seems like killing off one of the five would be in their ultimate best interest and kind of part of the grand master plan, so to speak, if you're a believer in that's where it's all going anyway. So, yeah, I don't see why they'd suddenly be throwing life rafts unless everything we've come to know is, you know, opposite of of what it's appeared to be all along. Which is what Sankey, remember, we discussed this earlier in the interview with Feinbaum, that circumstances have changed when it comes to how many of the conferences get an automatic or it will be the top six conferences. Is it going to be – how are they going to do that? Now, Now, I want to do this before we break and come back with Josh Neighbors. Maddox Cop is a quarterback at Miami. No, Colorado. Uh, Colorado. He put this tweet up last night. Incredibly disappointed in the NCAA, denying my waiver today. Another case 
of the NCAA trying to save face and not caring about student-athletes. One, I have learning disabilities, and accommodations evaluations were not made available to me at Colorado. Two, my decision to transfer was made a day before the NCAA eliminated the no-participation opportunity for immediate transfer. And three, I'll read part of this, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, made it very clear that holdovers from the previous team were not welcome and it was best to leave. Now, I want to go to one. My academic counselor left mid-year, as did my head coach. I struggled alone. He has learning disabilities, and we understand that. But wouldn't he have asked Colorado about that before he enrolled there and transferred from Miami? He had one. That's what he's saying. He had one, they left. And they they have not replaced that person. His coach yes. got fired, and the learning counselor left mid year. Okay, so those things happened. I think that's not particularly germane to his argument. No. I think the two things that are key here is, in reverse order, his coach basically told him to leave. Yep, and then he did that, and then a day after, the NCAA changed the rules. Okay, here's what, and, and I get it, and I also know that every story is can be a unique story. But that's why you need to be more careful when you transfer the first time. True, true, very true, except two things can be true simultaneously. It can be true that they need to wrangle the transfer portal, which they really do, but it also can be that they need to have a little nuance with the guys who made the decision before they did operating under the certain set of rules. I'll use the example of the military academies and Andre Carter. Andre Carter is in the NFL now. I watched him play a little bit last night in the Vikings preseason game. He was at, he was at army and he was operating under the rules that were established by a previous regime that he was going to leave and be able to play in the NFL. They changed the rules midstream. He appealed and they said, look, I was, I would have made this decision a year ago had the rules not changed. Nobody told me they weren't going to change. You guys changed them, and now I'm stuck here. So they gave him a waiver. That's what waivers are for. So I'm not advocating for the NCAA to give everybody a waiver in this situation. But if you were, before January 11th, operating under one set of rules, then that, to me, is good enough reason for a waiver because you made that decision under the rules that you knew. And then the rules change while you're in this void in the middle in the portal. That's... That is where the waiver should come in. And the other reasons why you're transferring don't matter because you were a, you were following the rules that were set to you at the time. My point again, and you said I was true, was if you're going to transfer, make sure you understand that if you're wrong or something goes wrong or you make the wrong decision, you know, then you're, you're kind of like going to be stuck where you go. So make sure your first transfer is good. And then what you said, I would think they would have grandfathered everybody in before the rule was passed. Well, yeah, and you can't expect that uh, everywhere you go when you make that next decision that that coach is just going to automatically be there, and then if he's not, then you have the right to go and transfer again. You know, like if we did that every time a coach – I mean, that's that's part of the confusion of everything that's going on is like now it's like if a coach leaves, is everybody allowed to leave? Is coaches allowed to leave? Like it's just – it's very confusing. But, yeah, two-time transfer. Um, you know, Paul seems to have a far better grasp on the story than, than I will pretend to. Uh, but it seems unfortunate. I just don't like – and this is not against him uh, individually, just in general – Let's run to social media and get everybody in a hot bother and then have them breathing down the necks of Colorado to try to force them to change their decision. I just think that um, 
that's that can be empty sometimes and I feel like this is one of those cases where I get it like voice your your concerns your complaints but there are rules in place you have to be aware of those as others are and uh it's unfortunate but uh yeah I just don't like the I don't like the, the rushing to, to social media and posting your diatribe about how you got wronged when there there are rules in place but I, I know there's there's nuances and things like that but just sucks in general. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is that this is this this nuance in this particular case, like all the things you say about going home to be with your sick grandmother and yeah. all that stuff, that doesn't matter to me if I'm if I was representing any of these kids in my fake law firm because I'm not a lawyer, I would say, look, none of that real that's all heartstring stuff to get everybody else involved and mad so that the NCAA yes. may listen to you. That's what that is. And I'm not taking away those actual maybe factual situations but in this particular case the only thing you need to argue is i put in my my transfer before january 11th if you did that then you have a reasonable argument now whether they buy that or not is up to the argument but that's the only reason i would agree with any of these kids because if you apply and you are under a certain amount of rules. Again, like this kid said, Dion very famously said, I'm bringing my own bags and it's Louie and told everybody to get in the portal. Well, he just did what the adult told him to do. Yeah. They're, they're, the, the bottom line is why not grandfather it? And then you're mm-hmm. not in this position. And most of the players who had the ones who had made the decision. And then after that, if you try to, and then you want to tug some heartstrings, oh, whatever. Uh, I'm not saying that there aren't some stories that are more unique than others. When we come back, Josh Neighbors, who is a part of what we do with our college football coverage. Also, back and forth, Gloria Navarez, who was supposed to be with us today, is going to be next week, and we'll figure all the days out. Obviously very busy, and who knows, by the time we push this back far enough, uh, we might even have more uh, news on whatever is going to happen with the Pac-12, the ACC, whoever, including uh, teams from the AAC and also uh, the uh, uh, Mountain West. This is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace right now, regular snack sticks at five fifty a pound, jalapeno cheese snack sticks six fifty. Leg quarters, 70 cents a pound. Boneless pork chops, $2. Top sirloin steak at $6.99 and prime brisket at $4.99 a pound. Also, fresh salmon at $10.99 a pound. I've eaten their Norwegian salmon, the Atlantic Coast. It is fantastic. It depends on how you want to cook it. I just put mine in the smoker, and it's great. It's Waco Custom Marketplace, a full-service butcher shop and bakery at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. During the Make This the Summer event, say big on a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months. Or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with employee pricing for all plus 1.9% for 72 months. And an extra $1,000 rebate. Or if that's not enough, get a 2023 Jeep Compass 10% off MSRP. That's right, and no payments for 90 days on all offers. Find the Jeep that fits you at Alan Samuels in Waco. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. 
one size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths of tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offer several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over 1,000 new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Sixty-five Sports. The three o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. Four twenty-five Lake Air Drive, Waco. Here we go. Three sixty-five Sports. Josh Neighbors, one of the talk show hosts we have under the umbrella of what is Sikkim three sixty-five dot com. Three sixty-five Sports. He does the neighborhood watch, and he's with us on three sixty-five Sports. Josh, what are your thoughts about the the Big 12 at 16, starting next year, of course, uh, with Texas and OU out the door? What are your thoughts? Should they stop, or do you feel like they should still look to expand? Yeah, great to be on with you guys. Nice to see you all again. Uh, I think, so I'm good with 16. I think it's it's a a strong number. You know, there's some folks that believe kind of there is a strength in numbers, and so you might just want to add more schools for the sake of having a larger voting block or uh, more, you know, uh, influence, but what does that really mean? You know, who are the, who are the, the players that you're getting at that point? 
I would say 18 sounds good for basketball to me. And the reason why I think it's, uh, you know, basketball would make a lot of sense is I do think there is credence to the idea that whatever happens to football probably does happen to basketball as well. So uh, I think that the conferences eventually do take over whatever the, you know, the, the football situation becomes the CFP. And I think they're going to take over basketball too, because why wouldn't you expand that thing out, take over hoops, get more of your schools in, uh, you know, we've heard about the expansion of the NCAA tournament to 96 teams potentially. And why wouldn't you do it? It's just more money that's going to be distributed. Uh, we're all still going to watch all of those games. And for the Big 12, you know, if you're thinking about, all right, who would you add? Um, you know, Gonzaga and UConn are kind of the big two. And and also, if Brett Yormark has any designs on a basketball-only package being sold separate from football, uh, I, I think, you know, a Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, uh, Houston, you know, conference. I mean, it, it, I'm missing a few in there. Baylor, obviously, too. That that that's big Mondays and Saturdays. Sonic blockbusters written all over it. You could do an entire schedule of Big Twelve games on some of their biggest nights. So, I think for hoops, it might make a lot of sense if you think hoops and football are going to go together and kind of make sure that you are a part of the conversation, uh, even if you don't have those big brands like Alabama and Ohio State. And then, obviously, you know, when basketball rolls around, you are the show. Nice save there at the end, adding Baylor there, Josh. You know, don't forget who owns it. It's hard to think of all the great basketball (laughs) brands. Good Lord. I mean, come on. But uh, you can subscribe. Man, you are are right on the edge of being tortured the rest of the Three owners of this company. (laughs) You know, I'm just saying. uh, But no, uh, John, you can subscribe to Crystal Ball College Football and and see the neighborhood watch uh, every day when Josh puts it out. Uh, Josh, this, uh, this process was... Um, it felt really long, and then it, it ended really quickly. Uh, last week was such a hair on fire thing. Did you did you ever buy Friday morning that? Oh well, I guess this this isn't going to happen now. Well, I was wondering like what changed. Like the the, the, the nobody was reporting the TV deal and the, the offer had changed. So I was like, why why are we all now all getting together and being like this is a worthwhile proposition? You know what is tangibly different like are we all deciding now that we being the pac-12 schools that we want to take a risk and we're cool with the risk i mean it's just too much money to you know look if you're making 50 million dollars a year off tv deal and you know there's a risk you you know you could go to 70 80 like sure maybe you take a risk but if we're talking about you starting in the 20s and you hope to get over 30s like we're starting to talk about a potentially a third of the revenue there that's a lot. That's a pretty substantial risk. I mean, that's talking about, you know, we're not talking about extra support staff to hire. That's like, you know, important people. That's student athlete experiences. That's facilities. That's all of the things that help you recruit, help you bring in athletes and, and, and coaches and retain those athletes and coaches and all those things. So to me, I was like, what, what tangibly changed? But I wasn't surprised because there were so many different agendas that when, the other reporting came out, Oregon and Washington, uh, you know, no showed or basically said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. I wasn't really surprised by that because everybody kind of had their feelers out in different places. And why would you come back together and say, you know what, it's better off. We all just take the risk when you have other options that aren't as much of a risk. What do you think uh, about the college football playoff going to 12 teams here pretty soon? There were of course the six top conferences who would get the first buy or not buy, but get in. What do you do with the Pac-12? I mean, it, we know they can still grow or they can morph into something else or they might, I don't know, what, maybe even one of them goes independent. But what would you do if it remains who they are, Cal Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, and no matter who they added to them, whether it's San Diego State or SMU or 
two others, what would you do with them in the college football playoff? I, I think they're going to get kind of the the short end of the deal. And I think they, you know, it's just what, what power do they have? We you know who, who is going to be advocating for them at the table. I mean, their big brands are all kind of left the building and, and those folks are not going to, I think, advocate for them, you know, in any meaningful way, whenever the CFP committee kind of gets formed, whatever it is, the next go around, forget when it's kind of reformed. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the dialogue around the college ball playoff right now is very interesting because I was very excited about the idea of those AQs. I think it made for, um, you know, made for the fact that, look, like we kind of know who's going to be around at the very end, but the fact that a Sunbelt team can run the table and go, I think is actually good for the sport, whether they do well or not, you know, it's kind of up in the air, but like them getting there, I think is good for the sport. It makes it feel like as the gap grows financially for some of these schools, at least the opportunity is growing as well. Uh, I think that's about to change big time. I, th- I think we're about to get a situation where we're going to get the 12 best teams type deal. And this kind of leans, lends to a really big problem here because you know, like the big 10, the big 10 is going to have a situation where you're playing nine conference games. You're not going to play half the conference. So figuring out who like the best big 10 team is on a given year might be challenging, let alone who kind of the 12 best teams are. And I feel like that always is going to lead to some of the lower level schools not having a place. So I was looking forward to them having a place at least for a little while. And I'm now concerned for those schools, you know, the the remaining Pac-12 schools and for smaller conference schools, what their place is in a new CFP landscape. Josh, when you heard that the Pac-12 turned down a $30 million a year offer a year ago, and then said we would like fifty. Like they didn't even, they didn't even try to like build up to that. Like, can you do better than thirty as opposed to giving them a number that was almost twice as much? What's your reaction to that? Yeah. So we, you know, Paul, you and I have talked about this. Like Brett Yormark, one of the best qualities that he had when he came in was the fact that he understood what he was dealing with. Like he understood what the Big Twelve was and what it wasn't. The Big Twelve is a college, you know, it's, it is a conference as a college football, uh, you know, obviously background. They got a lot of teams, obviously, that play. One of them played the national championship game. But they are not a massive TV draw because they don't have the brands that an SEC, that a Big Ten have, right? So uh, the analogy I've been giving a lot recently is, like, the Big 12 realizes that they might not be the steak, but what they can be is, like, the, the wine that pairs with the steak. They can be the great side dish, the great... Uh, you know, appetizer, right? The wonderful creme brulee after, like they can be all of those things. And, you know, time slot wise, like, you know, they, they even apply that too. They can play early, they can play late. That's what they are to television networks. They can fit them anywhere. And you never really know when the games will end up be com- you know, being compelling, but TV networks can pretty much bank that the big 12 is going to be compelling. It has been, especially in that first weekend, December, uh, the last few years, it's been fantastic. The PAC 12 never, understood that i remember thinking at the time when the big 10 deal happened and seeing the reports that they somehow thought that applied to them that's that's not what this is i mean it, it, you are not the same conference you know kevin warren constructing that deal that looked like an nfl deal because it was three different networks and all the time slots and all those things like it was really smart but he has the ability to do that because he's got michigan ohio state penn state michigan state uh, iowa i mean like you know wisconsin all of these massive schools with big alumni bases and that, you know, that do very, very well in terms of ratings and all of these things. That's why you can do it with the big 10 that did not apply to the PAC 12. And it was ridiculous for them to ever think that it did. Also they're fighting from a disadvantage because the PAC 12 network sucked. Like they had to recover from that and they kind of viewed themselves as 
you know, we don't need to get, they didn't value visibility correctly. Like they had, they needed to trade cash for visibility in some spots and they never realized that they, the, just the leadership seemed to fundamentally not understand that like, just because live sports and a live sport that you also have is going up in value does not mean what you have goes up in value. You have to be, you have to understand your value relative to everybody else, but everybody else selling just because the premier league rights sell for more money does not mean the MLS should sell for more money. Uh, you know, I know now with Messi, it's different, but you understand what I'm saying. Josh, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody where they, we, you can get him. Watch the show, Neighborhood Watch, uh, underneath 365 Sports on YouTube. But tell everyone usually when, you're, when you launch that. Yeah, Crystal Ball College Football is the channel. Neighborhood Watch, five-plus days a week. Some of the best Big 12 content you can find alongside what you all are doing here uh, you guys can find us on Twitter at NWPod3 or X, excuse me, X, uh, NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show wherever you get your podcast. And once again, Crystal Ball College Football. Subscribe. We're pretty close to 12,000 subscribers. We're trying to get there before football season starts. Thank you guys for letting me come on. It's always a pleasure. All right, buddy. That's Josh uh, Neighbors with us, 365 Sports Football Talk Show host and analyst. And uh, I want to get to a couple of super chats if we can. Now we'll take the break. We're wide open. I think we 430 David Teal, who covers the Atlantic Coast Conference from the Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh Essen Kasim, uh Kasim, excuse me, is gonna come on at just after five uh from the Florida State perspective, which we kind of heard about. People either like that or they don't. And then also Will Vandervoort played at Clemson, covers Clemson for the insider. Clemson insider will join us to give us some perspective from ACC, from some of those territorial parts. I spoke with Alexis Cuban, who covers Louisville, and I said, hey, Alexis, so, uh, and she used to be an intern for us at the radio station here back in the day, a Baylor student. I said, so what, how much does realignment even come up? She goes, everything's about Jeff Brom. Everything, because he's a rock star in Louisville, played there, star there. Everything's about, I got like write nine different stories about him, different angles. Really, nobody's talking about realignment here that I can tell in Louisville. It's not a part of any of the Q&A, nothing like that, because they kind of know it doesn't matter what they think. Well, and I'm not, that's not to be me or her being critical of Louisville. It's just, it's just truth. They were one of the schools when the, the seven schools got together in the spring. I was surprised it was not part of that. Because they sit on the swing in that they could very easily find because Louisville's got a really good athletic department, top to bottom most years. You know that they've had a pretty steady football program while they're not, you know, winning national championships and winning conferences, but they're good. I mean, they, they're good. Um, they're not terrible. They're not, you know, uh, two and ten every year. So you've got a good football program. Your basketball program's won national titles and, you know, has, you know, big games and all that and fits really well in the ACC, but... They would seem to me to be attractive, especially considering, you know, I think there was a time where we thought Louisville was going to be a Big 12 team uh, back in 2011. Like, okay, that, that fits, and West Virginia came instead of Louisville, where I thought maybe West Virginia and Louisville should have come together. But, mm. um, but again, that was a different administration with less foresight. But Louisville would make sense. But, again, they also know that we could be one of those schools where we're like, yeah, let's break the grant of rights. And then everybody goes somewhere else, and they're just kind of sitting out yep. with – you know, Boston College and Georgia Tech going, hey, uh, yeah. well, what about us? Here's a couple of super chats. Lomansky, thank you guys for the coverage, the comments. Top shelf. Appreciate uh, the Bob Bowlesby, by the way, and the comments you made about him. This Hawkeye alumnus blessed to follow Bob after he replaced Bump Elliott at Iowa 
as the AD. Uh, that's from Lemansky. Chris, guys, with all the new additions the Big 12 made, I am wondering what stadium capacity for football and basketball that all members must now grow to. You know, I, was, I didn't realize this, and I know the ACC has some private schools, obviously. They got a lot of them. I don't know. They got, yeah, they have a pretty nice, nice chunk. And someone, I was, ta- I was on a station that was talking about the ACC, and I mentioned, they mentioned SMU. And I said, listen, they, they have money, and it's in a hotbed of recruiting. Their stadium, though, is pretty small. And I'm, that, that's not, people get all offended. Like Baylor's is 44, 5, 40, whatever. Some are 110. But it just really depends on who you are, your, your base or whatever. Uh, but I would, uh, ACC's got some schools in that 30,000 or 35,000 or 40,000 uh, stadium. I don't know what uh, Ford Stadium's, I would think, what would you think it is? 35? 35. 32? Garrett, you may you look that up if you can. I don't know for sure what that is. But, but Chris, I would think if you're not in or you now are 32. a part of it, 32, when you are a part of it, I think like Wake Forest or somebody might be 32 in the ACC. And if I got the wrong school, I'm, don't, don't shoot me on that either. But I know somebody does. So, um, man, you just – 31-5. There you go. It, it's just – that you had to probably meet some of that criteria before you came in. If you're Cincinnati, check. UCF, check. Houston, check. You know, Robertson Stadium or TEDC, you know, TEDC. I don't think it's necessarily about seat size unless it's really small. Because, look, the, the new schools coming to the Big 12 don't really have that problem. Cincinnati is a nice size state. Like, nobody in the Big 12 has that problem, especially not the schools from the Pac-12. They're, they're fine. They got, they got big, you know, all of them. They're, they're all fine. Um, so I don't think it's really an issue for those schools coming in. UCF's got the bounce house, big stadium. It's Your stadium needs to be... TDECU in Houston's 40,000, which yeah, I think so, is kind of what you want it to be, at least in that neighborhood. Yeah, I would think that, that 35, like where Wake Forest is, is probably the lower tier. Like, that's the, the floor of where you want it for anybody. But it also has to be relative to your school and the tickets that you can sell week in and week out. You know, that that's... That's got to make sense. Like, if you can't sell out 31.5, and I'm, I'm just saying that because that's the lowest number, then building one that's 50 is dumb if you can't do that. If you can't, if you can only really sell out 31.5 at certain times, and look, I say that having been here at Baylor, they had a stadium that was way too big for them for too long. They had famously had the tarp, and when they built McLean, it was smaller. The basketball arena that they're building is smaller than the one they play in right By now. By around 3,000 seats. Yeah, yeah, so again, that's, it's more about amenities and having the right other stuff because full stadiums, you're going to get the same allotment no matter what. So... Just because, a, like, for example, if, you, if you're playing at Texas A&M, the SEC requirements are only you have to give 2,500 tickets to the visitors. It doesn't matter that that stadium seats 108,000 and Kentucky's would seat 85. Kentucky's fans are getting 2,500 tickets. A&M's fans will get 2,500 tickets when they go to Kentucky. It doesn't matter. So that's, you know, I don't think that's, that's an issue. And plus, the, if you look at all the schools that were added – uh, no, nobody has stadium issues in no, the Big 12. No, nobody no, no, has, no, It's not like Memphis. Houston's That's, is very, very new. It's 40,000. Uh, obviously, the bounce house is new. Uh, how, how old is the bounce house? Less than a decade. Don't be wrong. Do not be I wrong. Mean, you, you will, you'll be skewered by the and, UCF and, the Knights Twitter mafia. I promise mafia. you, and I'm going there at the end of September, and I can't wait. I promise you it still has new stadium smell. 
You think so? Yes. I bet you it still has new stadium smell. Yeah, because once they get the old stadium smell, remember this, the, the Texas Stadium, which was the oh. – it was like oh, what that a- was the like, stadium. What Eamon Carter used to smell oh, like? Yeah. Oh, yeah. TCU fans know what I'm talking about. Oh, by the way, Lemansky has another uh, super chat. Advice to me from my late father. Better be silent or measured than thought a fool than to speak a lot and remove all doubt. Advice to the Pac-4 commission. I like that. I yeah. appreciate that. Lemansky, thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. And uh, we're going to continue to roll along here. At 4.30, David Teal, he covers the ACC. We might even bring him on like at 4.25. Working on the rescheduling for Mountain West Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarez that, that will do that at some point next week. This is 365 Sports. Ideal MRI. In the Central Texas Marketplace can help you find out how badly you're injured. How badly a muscle is torn or shredded, or how badly a ligament is partially torn, bruised, and or unfortunately torn. And and that can happen in sports all the time. We talk about athletes and sports all the time and ACL injuries and more. Uh, Ideal MRI will find out if it's a torn ACL. They will find out if it's a, a an is- issue in your lower back with a, a vertebrae. They will find out if you have something that is torn and or shredded, and then they might find out the good news, something else is the problem, and it's not as bad because the MRI doesn't show that there's any damage. If your doctor is suggesting an MRI for an injury that you have, I would suggest you then tell him. You don't suggest to him, you tell him. Call Ideal MRI. $497 or less every single time or less they'll help you file the insurance papers. They're amazing. Dr. Rob Maxey in Waco, idealmri.com. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you can't make it to Riverbend, DoorDash is available to bring it to you. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience. It's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma, and they have to come here. They're used to lights. They're used to water in their mouth. They're used to experience. They already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist, 
and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers their body the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Interesting topic. I saw this. Chris Vanini from TheAthletic.com. And I'd love to get your feedback on this in the uh, text line, or the, the uh, text line 254-339-1122, and then the chat room. Stop all what you're arguing about when it comes to fan bases and who's has this and that, which is great. We appreciate that 99% of the time. That's why it is the chat room. But I'd like to see what you think of this. I've never seen anybody, when they talk about if college football goes big boy, big boy, big boy, where there's just – one or two super conferences, and or the number of teams that can compete for a national title like is evaporated down to 40 or 20, 30, whatever. When I picture the type of fan that the TV executives are thinking about when they are making these big deals, it's not an Oregon State dad and his son who go to Resser Stadium together on Saturdays, then come home and watch the Pac-12 late-night game. They're picturing, they're picturing, I'd never heard of this from anybody, they're picturing a New York Giants fan in Queens who can't name a single current college player who could give two craps about Oregon State, but if they see Ohio State's playing USC on a Saturday, they're going to stop and probably watch it for an hour or two. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that's, that's certainly kind of a weird issue when it comes to the television networks and what they're trying to create here because the way I would con- – it's probably a lot like ad agencies, and I'll explain how ad agencies work. So, okay, we have to work with them quite a bit. Um, in radio, it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's very difficult anyway because you're constantly having to, to give them numbers. And, and we're in this – a radio market like Waco, we couldn't give them the numbers accurately because it's not really accurately measured. Um, but if TV networks, what they look at, the only currency they have is how many people watched this last year and how many people watched that one last year? And they said, well, you know, Ohio State averaged 5 million people and Oregon State averaged one. And they're like, well, okay, so who's like Ohio State? 
because they're just going to go by numbers. Now, there are really smart people like Bob Thompson and Pat Craigs who understand how college football works, but they also have to sell it to their job is to build a package that's acceptable to the people above them that are, you know, if you're the president of Fox Sports, well, you're not the president of Fox. You have to sell it to that guy. So then they can sell it to advertisers and on down the line. So there's so much to that. And like we do with ad agencies, you have to, you have to be able to show them like, okay, this is how many people listen to our radio show from 3 to 6 in the afternoon in the central Texas market. And you say, well, if you take all the people that can hear our radio station, it's actually bigger. And they're like, well, no, I'm only looking at this one. And this sheet of paper that Arbitron sent me is these are the top three and you're not in it. Like, well, yeah, but you're not really getting what you want if you buy those three stations. If they're sending out 400 of those ratings to a, a city of 120,000, but they then say, well, no, that they cut it by a pie yeah. in the U.S. census. Um, that's why this show has been so refreshing. Because when someone asks me or Paul or whoever, well, how many people are watching you? We have absolute raw analytical data where we can see who's moved the needle as a segment or a guest like within seconds. And that is something that is evidence on who is watching. And by the way, thank you. Congratulations to the show, to you, and that includes you, the family of our audience. We went over 34,000 of the subscribers earlier today. The sad thing is they have those numbers in radio and TV, too. They have the ability to do that. They just don't because... There are, like, you would find out there's parties on the other side of it that don't want you to know that. No, no, it's, it's a, like lobbyists. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, uh, we kind of like uh, the way it is now. Uh, uh, keep keep uh, sending out the books to a bunch of 53-year-old women and ask what kind of radio they watch. Well, and Ar- Arbitron is, like, it, Arbitron is that way. I think it's called Arbitron because it's so arbitrary. It's just ridiculous where you send them out, like, how you have to do it. And I'll tell you, I think this is the wildest thing because TV and Internet are much more easy to, to grade TV a little bit uh, different, but they send out in markets like this a diary, a notebook to people to write down in and ask them what stations they listen to. And no one wants to do that. Nope. Like what, what kind of person do you have? Like how much time you have to have in your life? We're like, you know what? I will write this down every day for two weeks. At 2.35 p.m., I listen to this or station. Or take a pen and go, whoo, 6 a.m. Yep. to 6 p.m. for whatever yeah. soft music you listen to yeah. during the day. Uh, Super Chats, retired stockbroker, just puts up the money. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. Good question here um, from Mike Terry. How many of your audience, or how much of your audience is Texas? Your ads are very local, but wondering if your audience is mostly local. No, it's the opposite. Our audience is from... Seattle, Washington to Orlando, Florida. It is from Salt Lake City to Washington, D.C., Dallas, Houston, uh, big chunks of who watches. Phoenix is rising, literally. Uh, and, and then the L.A. market, very much Baylor. That's how we started when we began in 2020. And as the, the college football realignment changed, then the audience, as far as 
where you're from changed and went coast to coast. We've always been strong in Dallas and Houston because of the alumni base with mostly what we did Baylor, and then we've morphed now into this being a full throttle 90% of the time, if not more, college football. Yeah, look, we've got people saying Arizona, England, the Caribbean, Nebraska, Alaska, Arizona. There you go. Seattle. But I mean, the Caribbean, pa- a Behringer, we're so jealous. Yeah. Uh, Paxton, of course, is in Texas. Eric, Oklahoma, you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, California. West Coast. Denver. Yeah, so that Tampa. There you go. This is on the chat. Iowa, New Jersey. And so about a week ago, I'm about to make a presentation to a huge business. And it's not about really us as far as advertising, but just about how we have grown from day one. And Brian had sent me a graphic about a week or two ago on the cities. And I was like, my God, we knew that a lot of you from all over the place, it's pretty amazing. A lot of it's because of the realignment. If you were Brigham Young, why would you not? Um, why would you not want to check in with us? Because we were always, it seemed like, ahead of the curve when Bob Bowlesby reacted. MC Gusto's from Peru, Lufkin, Cy- Cyprus, Las Vegas, Iowa. Juan, surprisingly enough, is from Houston. Didn't know that Juan. Uh, New Zealand. There you go. Wow, West Virginia. It, it's on and on and on, and we appreciate that. Uh, Michael Goodrich from Virginia, Reckham Tech. So there you go, Michigan. And so what we have done. And it's the YouTube numbers have grown, and that's part of what we have, the ads and et cetera, and the views and all that. So we appreciate you for that, and, and, and it's great. It, it's been great. The, uh, but when we started, for about probably all, maybe all of you except a handful, we started August the 6th of 2020. A- April the 6th. Eight, did I say August? Yeah. April the 6th of 2020 in Paul's Upper Second Story uh, Man Cave Gentleman's Club. And it was like basically getting cans and, and uh, wire. To, to No, it was great. He had That's when we started. And it was like I did have to run a wire from the upstairs to the downstairs. Yeah, that was so college. That was such college dorm stealing somebody's cable. Oh. And that's where we started. And then, of course, it's grown to where we joined here in this beautiful state-of-the-art facility in September of 2020, thanks to our partners, Ashley, who's in France or Italy or somewhere right now. And then Brian, who's always working. And then uh, also Colt, who is uh, like, like uh, beam me up, Scotty. He's uh, involved in a lot of the energy that is brought. One other note in college football, then we come back with our guest on the ACC with David Teal. Art Bryles, former Baylor coach, who has since that time coached in Italy a couple of different times. And also since that time, schools have tried to hire him as a consultant, an assistant coach, the Canadian Football League, and everybody buckled to the public pressure and social media and the backlash. Now, the International Football Alliance, and honestly, I had never heard of them, a new spring league, yet another one, with teams in Mexico, Texas, and California, hired Art Bryles to coach the team in Dallas and in talks with Nick Rolovich for another team, Hal Mummy and Noel Mazzoni will coach teams as well in Mexico. Hal Mummy, by the way, college uh, high school coach here in Central Texas at Copper's Cove. <laughs> I had him on the show a couple of years ago when you guys were gone, and I was really bummed, and we couldn't get him on the phone, and he called me at 6 o'clock that night, Hal Mummy did, and was like, ah, my phone died. And then I just went out and 
was having a good old day. And I was yeah. like, well, thanks. He came on the very next day, and it was great. But I remember thinking, like, man, he's usually so good. But, yeah, his phone died. So I got it. It brings up a story. I went, yeah. But up. Coach Bryles, this league that he's in, you can have 20 or 25 American players in yep. a 53-man roster. The rest of them all have to be from Mexico. Football is becoming very popular uh, in Mexico. Terrence Williams, as a matter of fact, is playing in a league uh, down there and, and, and doing really well, former Cowboys wide receiver. And uh, so – yeah, it's it's growing, and, and I expect to see. Like, I think the goal in Mexico is they want to have their own CFL type thing. No, right. yeah. So I think overall, and this this can can lead to that. So, um, you know, Coach Browse gets a coach. Noel Mazzoni's been in this forever. All these coaches. Nick Rolovich is by far the youngest. Washington guy. State. Yeah, he was well, the one yeah. that got let go. Yeah, he's by far the youngest of all these yeah. guys. All right, Iowa, Las Vegas, Cypress, Guam. Did you mention them earlier, no. Doug? Doug Palmer in Guam. You I lived, lived in there Guam. for four years, Anderson Air Force Base. Orlando, again, Lufkin, Fulcher, and a few others along the way. Michigan, and again, the cities just continue to pop away here on the chat room. Retired stockbroker, when is the Two Minis remote show? Oh, God, I, I read it. I actually read it. Paul, where is Two Minis? I, have, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think I do. I don't know. Two, who asked Garrett? Who asked? That? When the last time you went to Too Many's, I've never been there. I literally have never been. Never been I there. Didn't, I just know of it. When I read that, I just read it, and then I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's the one that Butch used to bring up all the time on the talk show about the Gentleman's Club in Waco." Which, you know, um, so there you go with that. So there's the Art Brile story. Like everybody's in the background, not, just cracking up. I was always told a place it's 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 not a place you can unsee, yeah, and they'll live in your nightmares. Forever. It may change your mind on what you like. Uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll certainly, it'll certainly uh, solidify what you don't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Um, wet blanket with a laughing face. I don't think it's at us, uh, but maybe somebody else. Hal Mummy's story about how he and Mike Leach came up with the air raid offense is a great story. It was. They were at Iowa Wesleyan, I believe, if I correct. Am I right about that? When they kind of invented the mad... Offense that has driven people crazy ever since. Uh, all right, when we come back, he covers the ACC from the Richland, Richmond Times-Dispatch. David Teal on 365 Sports. I had somebody today at the gym walk up to me. He was asking somebody else who was at the gym about testosterone. And then there was another guy that was kind of a muscle head. It was kind of acting like he wanted something more than that. I said, you're talking to the wrong guy. I think he might have been asking about maybe steroids, like the real bad ones. So the other guy goes, so, so tell me about Dr. Petty. He had another member had said, I would know, and I do, Dr. Kent Petty, PettyClinicLowT.com. He is the one that could help you maybe find your groove back, so to speak, your energy. If you're lethargic, if your sex drive is not the same, if you're not sleeping well, whatever it might be, it could be as you get older, one out of about three or four men have symptomatic issues of low testosterone. Dr. Petty can set you up to get your blood work. It's simple. You go there. You, they have a sheet already when you walk in the door, when you register, and then they bring you back. They draw your blood, and then two, three days later, you'll hear from the staff at Petty Clinic, and they'll have your results. If your testosterone level is too low, they have a program to help increase it. So you can become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, used to be at PettyClinicLowT.com.
Texas. Corners, beds, and with lots of room. Average your car in Texas. Count on us, on dealer trust. Average your car in Waco, Texas. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC an equal housing lender. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick'em sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. 
Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Craig Smoke is now at Baylor football practice back here in the next few minutes. We're now joined, Paul Catalina. I'm David Smoke, David Teal. We've had David on a handful of times, the Richmond's, Richmond Times Dispatch. David, uh, where is, if you would say, the Cal Stanford meter when it comes to the ACC, if it was a, a little higher? earlier in the week if at all is it a much lower or flattened out i wouldn't say it's flattened out david is is one athletic director said to me recently at the beginning of the week i would have told you no way now i would tell you strong maybe what what would have changed between now and then is it is this really just come down to money Oh, everything in college athletics these days, at least at the, at the FB or FBS level, comes down to money, without question. But I think there's some negotiating, some negotiating going on. I also also believe there's some lobbying going on among ACC presidents, some of whom clearly are in favor of this, others opposed, and I am almost certain that those in favor are on the phone with those who are opposed saying, hey, let's try to figure out a compromise here and get this done. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like in Congress, the blue states and the red states and who's trying to cross the aisle to get something passed. So if you were to say, if I mention Florida State, if I mention Clemson, and if I mention Miami, would those three be a rock-solid no I can't say for sure about Miami. My suspicion would be that Florida State and Clemson would oppose this move. So for, for a couple of different reasons. I don't think this moves the needle enough financially to suit them because there's just too many unknowns, especially as it in regards to the ACC's future success initiative, which is an uneven revenue distribution. How much will Clemson and Florida State benefit from that? That that formula is TBA. So I think there's just too many unknowns for the Tigers and Seminoles to be all on board with Cal and Stanford. On that front of Florida State and Clemson, does anybody get any kind of glimpse of what, especially Florida State's plan would be in all this? Do they just want to, you know, like pull the the finger out of the dam and hope that it links enough, leaks enough to flood? Because contracts are cut. Like it just seems like now it's it's a lot of noise, and that they hope they maybe fall into a legal strategy. Maybe they will. You know, as you know, Sportico reported last week that. Florida State has engaged with a private equity firm to look at some athletic department financing that way, perhaps uh, with an eye toward buying its way out of the grant of rights. That's a lot of money, guys. If, if Florida State were held to the letter of that contract and tried to leave the ACC in the present time, you're looking at well north of half a billion dollars. 
Are they now the team that everybody or the maybe the rest of the schools, other than maybe Clemson or Miami or North Carolina, whoever's on this one block of no, uh, or we want to, we want unequal revenue sharing, or we we're better. Are they now like the 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 guy that walks in the room and everybody doesn't like him? Oh, <laughs> that, that, that was the case at the spring meetings. Back in May, when Florida State you know, leaked word of of the Seminoles and six other schools, kind of looking around with their lawyers at the grant of rights and what are our options here, and there were some very loud conversations there, and Florida State certainly didn't make itself any friends with last week's dog and pony show with its board of trustees, threat, you know, and its president threatening to leave the league if they didn't get their way because, by golly, we deserve a greater share of revenue. Never mind the fact, guys, that Florida State's own athletic director back in January told Ira Chauffel of warchant.com down there in Tallahassee that Florida State over the previous decade ranked last in the ACC in terms of football investment. That's not an ACC problem. That's a U problem. And so essentially what Florida State is saying is we've squandered what money the ACC has given us, but now we want the ACC to give us more. That's not the way the world works. Uh, this is going to be fun, David, because well, no, I'll, I'm I'll, an SFA, Stephen F. Boston, the Stanford of the South graduate. Paul's an FSU guy, so you no, I no. This is all this is all not news to me. They they've made this big push of how they've spent all this money, but it's just been recently, like. The, right. Yeah, I mean, it's right now, and they were operating with a de facto AD and a de facto a booster club president for a very long time, and yep. that, that there was not anybody who wanted it, and so they're reaping what they sowed when they made those decisions right now, mm-hmm. and this is all noise. Look, I would love for them to make a bunch of money, but I would like them to do that in a common sense fashion that would make sense that other than... Yeah, look, you're a great brand. You you deserve to make a bunch of money if you're still, you know, if you're investing in it. But let's not pretend like you didn't pretend like the athletic department didn't exist for a decade. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, that, that's it, was the complaints my friends and I had all the time. Yeah. And, and by the way, let's also not forget that since Jameis Winston left the program, Florida State is 32 and 32 in the ACC over the last eight seasons. It has lost three straight to Wake Forest. It has lost seven straight to to Clemson. It has lost five of the last six to NC State. So, again, your demands for more money, your public demands, man, they ring just a little bit hollow. I understand Florida's going to make a lot more money. I understand your concerns. I understand that you won three national championships since joining the ACC. Those are all very valid points. But there has to be a little self-awareness involved. 
Yeah, I, I, I also think that they were kind of hoping Clemson was going to join them out there on the front line, and Clemson's just letting them take the, take the bullets yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. David, where does this leave schools like Virginia Tech? Who, um, in spite, look, they've had a rough last, you know, few years since Frank Beamer left, but that's yep. that's a that's a legacy ACC program, and they they're great. Uh, Duke, uh, who uh, football, you know, is on an uptick now, but it's never been something they they really cared about enough for the long term. Uh, you know, Syracuse, Pitt, like these are good athletic departments for the most part. Why? Uh, where does it leave them if the conference continues to shake up? Well, again, I don't know that the conference as a whole will shake up because of that brand of flights and because it extends through 2036 for 13 more years. Now, in 13 more years, what does the future like? I'll probably be in the nursing home and unaware of anything that's going (laughs) on, and and that'll be fine. But I think for now, the membership absent Florida, I, Florida State and ACC are headed for a divorce. The only question is when and how and who's going to pay and how much. But the rest of the league, you know, we'll see. Why is August 15th the date I heard that they have to make a decision? August 15th is the date they have to make a decision or inform the league of their intention to leave at the end of the 23-24 academic year. Okay. Okay. That has nothing to do with the grant of rights because we know that's 35 years from now. Yeah, this sounds like August 15th could be one hell of a day. August 15th, if in fact that happens, would be right there and maybe a notch above all hell breaking loose, David, on August the 4th on Friday with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the, uh, in, the, in the Big 12. Yeah, that was a sad day, guys. Uh, for those of us of a certain vintage who remember the Pac-12, the Pac-10, the Pac-8 in its heyday, and it earned the moniker Conference of Champions because that league produced literally hundreds of national champions. I was looking at the numbers earlier today. Stanford alone in the last 10 years has won 30 national championships. I mean, it's just, it's just remarkable. And, you know, you, you, you talk about Southern California's football heritage and UCLA's unmatched men's basketball heritage, Stanford women's basketball. You can go down the line. And to think that there are only four schools as we speak still standing in Cal, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State. I was, it was, history will not treat last Friday very kindly. No, nor should it. I mean, it, no. <laughs> yeah, because it, it was brought about by – uh, hubris and you know just a, a a lack of grasp of reality and then money grabs uh, all things mm-hmm. that are are not necessarily good you know none, none of it's flattering no. uh, david do you think that there's regret within not the just the fsu part of the league i mean the, we, we know they regret signing a a, a you know a 50-year contract but do you think there's a little bit of regret among the other uh, schools that 
that they are not going to be able to go to market with their television contract before everybody else goes twice? I think there probably is a little buyer's remorse, but guys, there was an awful lot of enthusiasm for that deal, for that 20 year deal back in 2016, because it guaranteed them the ACC network. And let's also remember that when the SEC and ESPN got together and created the SEC network, that too was an original 20 year contract. So it's not like the ESPN took advantage of the ACC and demanded something that was unprecedented. No, this is exactly what the network did with the Southeastern Conference. And without that grant of rights, might the league have already splintered? Perhaps. But let's also remember or ask the question, where would these schools go? How much more would they bring to a Big Ten or an SEC? I'm not convinced Florida State has another league to go to. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Like, it's not like I mean, I, yeah, I everyone mean, like, would like them, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it. You know, I I think, and I think Florida State and Clemson. And here's an interesting thing: they've won in the ACC recruiting SEC players when they've won national championships. I I, I don't, and I don't think this is kind of similar to where A and M had to swallow the pill on getting Texas in the league. I don't think that the schools that have regularly recruited against Florida State and Clemson want them in the league swimming in those waters with those funds. I think it's more than just one rival school here and there. I think there's probably a pocket of them like, well, I don't know if we really want to do that. Exactly. And plus, guys, if you're Clemson or Florida State and you look at the future of college football and the expanded playoff, isn't your path to that playoff? which will define your relevancies, just like the NCAA tournament defines men's basketball relevancy, isn't your easiest path, your clearest path to that playoff through the ACC? Do you really want to jump in a league with Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama? Am I missing it? I mean... It, it makes no sense to me. David, I know you got the ACC network thing coming up in about 15 minutes. I told you we'd probably try to get you out of here in 15, and I think we did. We appreciate your time. Good luck covering this as we move forward, including maybe even, well, eight, August 15th, just in four days from now, to see what might happen with Florida State. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Let's just hope nothing tonight or over the weekend so we can all relax. Yeah, that'd be nice. Absolutely. I said that for 13 months after (laughs) USC and UCLA left uh, the uh, the Pac-12, and and, and it literally took 13 months or so, 14 months to get that done. All right, it is uh, 444. Craig is at Baylor football practice. Emery's here today, and he's here because he is, one, just he's a good human being, and number two, uh, he's putting together all of what we have tonight at 1030, on the CW with 365 Sports Tonight, presented by Rooftop Innovations. Garrett is here, skipped away uh, yesterday. Meet the teacher night. That's yeah. That was always fun. How'd that go? You know what? It honestly was probably the best one he's, he's had. I was a little nervous, but we started the day off talking with him in the morning. You know, we're going to do this, meet the teacher, 
Dad's going to go to work, come back and get you. He kind of processed it, but uh, you know, he went in and he owned the building, so uh, it worked well. That's good. I remember those. I, I, you know, there's such a cool that first like day or two of yeah. school. Everything is like a new stadium smell. You know, yeah. <laughs> Here, everything's so clean. The walls to, aren't marked on. Exactly. I always went to small Catholic schools. So, and my mom taught at both of them when I was when I was Parker's age. Yeah. So I already knew all the teachers. So meet the teacher light was kind of boring. Other than you got to see your cubby hole. Like you know where where right. did I put? Like that's cool. All right, I'm in the fifth grade now. Awesome. Um, but next thing in will be shaving and driving, you know, like those things. Why but. did you grab your? Why did you grab the back of your body when you said I'll be shaving? Oh, I, had, I had an itch right here. Okay, yeah. all right. You're making yeah, me nervous no, about yeah. where you're shaving. No, I, yeah, right. yeah, that's. Uh, look, I'm Italian. I'd have to, you know, it'd be it'd you be, be a, a weedy. It's an old like a whole thing commitment. Like yeah. you, when you are Italian, you do have to make the decision of like how how long do I have to let this go before I I I deal with other places that aren't my face. You mean that you're like gorilla? Yeah, I mean I, I'm a Wookiee. I'm totally okay. all right. The shortest, squattiest Wookiee. Never have asked my God. Oh God, why did I ask that? Garrett Ross, Emery Winter, Craig will be back in a moment. I'm David Smoke with Paul Catalina. This is 365 Sports. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork 
mashups, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro, Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams, and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Talwa Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. For some reason, the, the chat, you remember I had the problem the other day, it was like two right, right in front of me, we moved it, we finally figured it out. Yeah, you, you figured it out. It now looks like I can only like see four or five chats, it needs to be like taller. But David Cowan was discussing how Stanford and Cal should have value because they're, uh, they're in the sixth largest or a part of the sixth largest media market in the country. And David, Houston's in a massive TV market. We like the Cougars. SMU and TCU are in Dallas and Fort Worth. It's good to know that they're a part of what they do. But they don't bring those. They don't, they don't carry those towns. Uh, Tulane doesn't carry New Orleans, although there's a lot of interest because of how good they were last year. And there's other particular towns and cities. What, We've said that before. What you know, other, I'm suggesting they get views in San Francisco. And since that's the number six media market, what, uh, that is worth considering adding to the conference. I don't know the exact viewer. They don't get enough because otherwise Fox and them would do something about it. Yeah, because they you don't know, but guess who does know? They do. They do. Yeah. They know exactly how much they, they get. And that media market for college football, there was a great uh, at the beginning of all this, uh, I mean about who which markets watch the most college football per actual human being. Like here's Birmingham, per, right? Yeah. Birmingham, Alabama watches more college football than anybody. Austin, Texas watches a ton of college football. And, you know, so you are, if you're trying to sell networks on where you're going to get your bang for your buck more, uh, it's starting to move away from the major markets a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or the the big ones. Now, L.A. is a different thing. Everybody wants L.A. 
But San Francisco has proven to be a little bit of an outlier in all this, all across the board in that they just don't get good numbers. And Stanford and Cal in particular don't. And one of the things the numbers can be telling them, and this is just me speculating, is that, okay, if USC does better numbers in San Francisco than Stanford does, then you really only need to worry about USC, right? So, mm. so Stanford's not doing good numbers in its own city, and Cal's not doing good numbers in its own city, and they're not drawing people in their stadium in their own city, then they've got a bigger problem than, than just like that they can't just solve. Well, it's a big city. Eventually, it'll turn back around. Okay, you yeah. hope so, but yeah, I know, I I know. So then, and, and David, we appreciate your opinion, and and you don't have to agree with us. So just uh, again, we're just telling you facts that no matter what, even though they're the sixth largest media market, San Francisco is a big city. Uh, when it comes to college football eyeballs, compared to many others, the Cal Stanford moving the eyeball, uh, moving the needle, uh, two incredible schools, right? And like somebody even said yesterday, great views on today on campus, but as far as TV. No, I used to love watching Stanford. There are certain brands that we individually have with certain schools. If I saw Stanford on back in the days, I'm old enough, back in the day when Jim Plunkett was their quarterback, uh, I, I watched him. There are certain schools that we may not realize that. I always, Stanford was in my, in my interest as far as just like watching them play from Bill Walsh to whatever they did with Harbaugh and, and, I, I, and then Shaw until the last two or three years things have kind of fallen uh, straight to hell when it comes to uh, Stanford football. All right, uh, we're at the top of the hour. Uh, five o'clock hour includes Essen Kassim. He covers Florida State. We asked David Till quite a bit about them. His thoughts, not really almost football related, but again, here's one of the teams that's like barking the loudest. And is it like a larger bark than a bite? Who knows? And then at the bottom of the hour, Will Vandervoort on Clemson. We wanted to kind of take a tour around just two or three of the movers and shakers in the ACC on what's been a big story throughout this week. Uh, Jason O, how was Stanford viewership during David Shaw's early years? I guess they didn't do good numbers back then. It may be hurting them now. Like I said, I think Stanford was one of the the way they played the game. Um, I think people like watching them. I'm not saying they were like, like everybody did, like when Oregon was kind of hot because they were good, plus they had all the snazzy colors and all that. no. I just always, when I saw Stanford on TV, I was like, I'm going to sit down and watch this game or, or, or maybe watch it longer than I thought. This is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 343 and east of 84 in Waco, general manager and CEO, Ted Teague, Alan Samuels. Here are some of what they have, the discounts right now on their lot. 1.8, uh, 1.9% APR financing for 72 months plus employee pricing for all 2023 Gladiator Sports, Willie's Freedom Edition plus a $1,000 rebate and get no payments 90 days. Think about all those things put together. Also, Alan Samuels uh, with the 20, now they got like 2025 Dodge Chargers, Challenger, Scat Patch, Hellcats in stock ready for the road. And then 2.9% financing, 72 months, 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited, $3,500 as well in a rebate with no payments for 90 days. No payments for uh, 90 days on the 2023 Jeep 
brand vehicles other than the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. 2.9% financing, 72 months. The 2023 Ram 1500, Lone Star, Bighorn, and Laramie trucks, 20% off MSRP on the Lone Stars and Bighorn crew cabs. Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, Loop 340, and east of 84 in Waco. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. Get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa wraps on there, the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bar, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenneth. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at WacoTennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. Three sixty five sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. 
We have been involved, my goodness, it seems like forever when it comes to realignment from Texas OU, USC, UCLA to what happened last Friday, Colorado the week before. And now, of course, there's always some kind of a storm when it comes to what might happen next because of granted rights or because of unhappiness or because a conference in the Pac-12 is trying to survive. Uh, Essen Kassim joins us from the Tallahassee Democrat, covers Florida State. And yes, they're one of the highest ranked teams in the country going into the season. And so we wanted to get him on for that, but also because of all of what might be discussing when it comes to the ACC. Essam, thanks for your time with Paul, Catalina, David Smoke, and Craig Smoke. So August 15th is the day that Florida State has to pull the trigger or what? And do you think they will? August 15th is a date. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, so, yeah, so August 15th is a day that Florida State has to let the ACC know that they're going to, um, they, if, if their intent is to leave the conference, and that would give them a 12-month window where they could exit versus it could be a 22-month spin window into 2025 if they don't um, get out by August 15th. And as of right now, I do. Um, you know, things can change. We've seen how fluid this stuff is. I would not bet on Florida State exiting the ACC before the fifteenth. What I mean, last week's uh, that was a lot of noise that they made, and some of it probably has more um, rock solid validity in, in, in the numbers than than others. You know, because you, you're they're trying to posture here. But what do you think is their realistic plan for this? How much of the this private equity money do they have to get if that that even comes to pass? Like, what's the plan here? I think the private equity money they're trying to get from either J.P. Morgan Chase or they talk to you know maybe open up the donors. I think that the exit fee for it would be like hundred around hundred twenty million dollars. It's been estimated. Then the grant of rights is the other one that is harder to figure out of what the total is going to look like, what that's going to be. So I think that's going to be the more interesting one. I think they will probably come up with the, um, the exit fee, $120 million if they had to. But I'm more interested to see how they raise the grants of rights, which I still have questions about how they get out of and how much would be owed. Essen, uh, how quickly did this like kind of take on full bore steam uh, in your eyes? I mean, obviously realignment's been a thing now uh, throughout college football history, but especially the past couple of years. But were you surprised at all by how aggressive Florida State has been, or has that kind of been the feel around Tallahassee was that this was coming? I think since Michael Offer took over as athletics director and vice president of FSU, he's kind of been aiming for more money. He's been talking since, I think, um, last February. He brought up the um, how FSU compared to, um, and has been talking since comparatively to um, the rest of the country when it comes to how much money they make, revenue. And then just um, he brought it up at a meeting, a board meeting in February, pointing out that Florida State was. Um, not well positioned. Then going to the spring meet, spring ACC meetings, they made a they made it pretty contentious by bringing it up again. And I think Florida State's goal is here to make it as uncomfortable as possible for everyone else to either force the ACC to come to the table and work with them in Clemson, or just be like ACC's like you know what it's not worth Florida State's headaches they're putting up with so it's kind of like a Demi Lillard situation of trying to force themselves out a little bit all right now uh they are supposed to be really good and we saw they turned the corner last year if they were coming off four and eight would they be barking I I think they would still try to be making a little bit noise but I don't think it'd be as much noise because 
what leverage do they have then? Your football team is not very good. You probably just have to fire a head coach and you're probably paying that money as well. So you cannot afford to, you know, take the risk that you're taking right now. Do you feel that they would, if they go over the wall, that they would have Clemson right behind them? I, I, I've, I've been led to believe that Clemson is ready to go through as well. They're ready to get out of here. Um, the ACC as well, to, you know, get to a conference where they belong or at least get what they deserve, what they feel they deserve in terms of money for what their football program brings in. We're talking to Essen Kassim. He joins us and he covers Florida State. And, of course, there's been a lot of smoke around the ACC. If Florida State had a vote, and they do have a vote, on California, Stanford, is it pretty much 100%, excuse me, on SMU, or even California, Stanford, would their, what's their vote going to be? No? I feel, um, for everything, once again, um, from what I've heard, I cannot say definitively, but I think it's a no, mostly because it, I don't see, they don't think those programs bring in more revenue, per se, and it would be splitting the pot more and more, uh, more ways instead of just trying to get them more, themselves more money. Essen, thanks for your time. Again, 365 Sports. Paul, anything else? Yeah, thanks just, for your time. Yeah, uh, just one one thing. So they're practicing in Jacksonville right now. On the field, what could trip this team up this year? Would it just be that they have not taken that step where they can go toe-to-toe with the good teams? Because the, they lost, the three in the row they lost were you know Clemson, NC State, and Wake Forest, or Wake Forest, Clemson, NC State uh, in that order last year. Yeah, so I think that offense, like as we saw last year, and they have more weapons, will be explosive. But I'm, I have still have questions about the struggle in the run game against Florida, Oklahoma, against Clemson, against Wake Forest, NC State, all those teams that struggle against the run. So I want to see if that's improved. Early returns and practice have been better, but of course, they've been wearing pads, full uniforms for two days. So I still have questions about where the run defense ranks, especially after the struggles last year. Essen, thanks for your time. Enjoy it. Uh, covers Florida State for the Tem- uh, Tallahassee, Ten- Tallahassee Democrat with us on 365 Sports. Man, I mean, it, it is just nuts. August 15th, they have to say something. Maybe they, I mean, Mountain West, remember San Diego State, there was a deadline. I think that after Colorado committed, Brett Yormark told whoever was listening, there's a deadline. We're not going to let this linger out. If Oregon, Washington would have called two or three weeks later or a month later, hey, okay. But they 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 needed to make a decision so everybody could move on. Yeah, I mean, I think there was very clearly a deadline. Big 12 couldn't just wait and wait and wait and wait, you know, forever. They had to make moves. They also obviously had alternatives, too, ready to go. So, hey, Colorado's coming. Great. Uh, who else? Oh, none of the other Pac-12 schools want to come? All right, UConn, come on down if that's the case. Well, hey, they got all three instead. And now – have their eyes on, you know, grabbing more, but a lot of that's dependent on what happens elsewhere, you know, like who's where and doing what with who. Uh, You know, there's a lot of answers, but I love that the Big 12, you know, at least for them specifically, they were the aggressor for the first time in basically their life as a conference and went out not once but twice and grabbed four schools the first time that just exist basically moving forward and the second time to really supercharge themselves up a little further and strengthen the foundation and now they can kind of just sit back and let others be involved in all the calamity and they can just kind of wait in the shadows and you know be selective depending on what comes out on the other side of that whether that's a a Pac-12 
uh, whether that's uh, going back to the drawing board of like, hey, let's focus on basketball, uh, whatever the case may be, they have options, and that's and, and it's from coast to coast. So that's that's a good deal. But yeah, it's it's fascinating. And hey, that's all a backdrop. What we were just talking about there with Essam of a really good football team, as we touched on at the end. But yep. I mean, that first game is going to be nuts. I think Paul and Garrett are going to fight in studio to determine. You know who is uh, triumphant at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope God, it didn't come was, to that. But that was such a <laughs> crazy ending of that game. We—that's how we're going to predict who wins exactly, on the show. Is yeah. whoever comes out on the other side of that squabble. We didn't talk the whole game until the very end, and the text I sent him was like, "That was I, I can't." But yeah. It was just—I I mean, the heart was in my throat the whole time, and it was the. The things just going through my head, I remember it. They're like, yeah, here it is. You fumble at the one-yard line, and somehow, you know, you're going in to seal the game to where, you know, you've got it completely in hand to, oh, no, you you have to have a miracle to keep this thing out of overtime. So I hope it's good again. I hope it's not that good. I just hope it's good uh, and it's enjoyable. But we just in the last two guests with David Teal and Essen, you can kind of see Florida State's trajectory here when it comes to what – you know their their history in this, in that they for a very long time had a an interim athletic director and they had a retiring booster club president. They did not spend the money that they should have been spending on things. The booster club president, especially, just had his kind of old fashioned backslapping way of of going around and asking people for money. Just wasn't working anymore. Plus, some of those older donors were gone and he didn't make any inroads with the newer generation so when michael alford came in first as the booster club president and then now as the ad things have changed and a lot of the things is we're going to make as much noise as we can but it also doesn't change the fact that you're trying to crawl out of a hole of your own making in that the reason that jimbo fisher left was several fold but one of the things was he won a national championship he went to the athletic department and said hey look we need to get on par with what clemson and alabama are doing and build this facility we've got to get in the arms race and they slow played him on it and like the the attitude of little coach bowden didn't ask for this stuff was like well it's a different time and um, so that's what kind of led the to the fracture between the athletic department and Jimbo Fisher, and they're still trying to crawl out of it. And now here they are looking at the SEC just signed this new TV deal, and not to mention the Big Ten. I mean, th- that's a thing that they'll they'll worry about. But for them and their immediate, okay, who are the schools that we recruit against outside this conference? It's Florida and Alabama and Auburn and Georgia right here, a couple hours away. They're getting twice as much money and. We have to find a way out of it, but their only answer right now is yelling. Garrett, did you ever find that drop rate? You did. All right, I want to bring this up. Big 12 quarterback's drop rate. Cole worked on this with part, uh, one of his weekly segments in, uh, on Sikkim365.com uh, Premium. There's a name on there, and I know every one of them you're going to ask me at the bottom, third name from the top or bottom, Caleb Williams. Why is he on there? Just wait. The drop rate, Will Howard Wide receivers, running backs, whoever, passes, it drops 7.5% of his 80 incompletions. Does that make sense? So the number on the right, the high number, is how many incompletions they had. And the one before it, before the slash, is how many of those incompletions were drop passes. And when you have Cade, Cade Warner and Deuce Vaughn uh, in that, I would assume that uh, you're not going to have many drops. Well, he didn't. And yeah. so there you are. Now, he also didn't play the full year, so the number of incompletions is lower yeah, than, than most everybody. Except, well, Jalen Daniels, another guy that was injured. Kansas basically uh, 
9% of his incompletions were drop passes. Keep going down. Max Duggan, 23. Ewers atop above him, 16. There's Tyler Shuck at 8. Baylor's Blake Shapin. Now, he could have been better, but 24 of the 135 incompletions, nearly 18% of his incompletions were drop passes. That's basically one-fifth. Yeah. You could have asked me this, and I could have told you who was going to be in the bottom last year because that was the intersection of maybe Blake Shapin not being completely ready for what was happening in that offense, but also they didn't, and by their own admission, did not address the wide receiver position enough. And, you know, after they lost Tyquan Thornton, you lost RJ Snead to the transfer portal, you lost a lot of dependability, and then nobody stepped up. I mean, it just was... It was a void all year long. Now, Monterey Baldwin had a good year, but he wasn't healthy all the time, and some of those drops were his as well. But, yeah, they had they had a lot of drops. It well, was, it was a were, problem. There were two, unfortunately, against uh, – was it Oklahoma State with Gavin Holmes had a couple. Uh, he now, of course, is working out with the NFL as far as at a training camp, I believe, at this particular time. Uh, Craig, those numbers at all, put them up again if you wouldn't mind, Garrett. I, Caleb Williams is there just to list. There's a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback who had 16% of his passes that were dropped. And so there's Dylan Gabriel above him and then, of course, Shapin at the bottom. Uh, so that's why Williams is just to show what another guy has, basically the Heisman winner. Is that just a comparison? It for... was just to give you an idea. That's the That was the okay. guy who won the Heisman and how many percentage of drop passes he had. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised to see Shapin's number. Uh, they were not very good throwing the ball last year uh, at all, and there was a lot of missed opportunities, uh, whether it be it his fault or the fault of his receivers, which, uh, based on this, was nearly one in five times it was the fault of a wide receiver uh, when the ball went in the air and wasn't completed. So, yeah, that's not going to bode very well for your uh, offense and scoring points and all those types of things, but... I mean, not anything. I mean, there's just such small sample sizes at the top. I mean, that's that's half of what everybody else had for the top three guys. So, you know, average it out. Will Howard have been more like 12 of 160. Uh, so still uh, pretty good. Uh, Daniels would have been 14 of, you know, 150 or so. So, um, you know, I don't know. I can't. I'm not going to pretend to start doing math in my head. But, okay. And then Shuck. Uh, obviously would have thrown a lot more passes than the 71 uh, if he had played the full year. So there definitely would have been, uh, you know, double digits uh, easily there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool to look at. Uh, you know, Shapin's got a lot of polish needed uh, this year. And, I mean, I think it's pretty clear now. The onus is on him and him alone. And this isn't, you know, he's young and they're they're young and this that and the other i mean it's they got to win guys like i don't you know i'm not i'm not by any means saying dave Aran is on any sort of a hot seat whatsoever because i don't believe that in any way shape or form i know there's certain fans that feel like you know there's a level that has to be maintained that if you know they win seven games and oh it's just not going to cut it but i don't think that's realistic at all to assume that that would be or that he's on any sort of a hot seat whatsoever. Um, but they got to win. I mean, he's he's had three years, and they've had the one really good year, and then they had the you know the couple of years that have been just sort of eh. And last year, the way all that ended was bleh. So, so many questions. Uh, fascinated to see what they look like when they get out on the field because there's not enough star power that you just automatically put them at the top of the league with the others and say, like, hey, they got this guy and that guy and this guy. I don't think most people even know who's on the team right now. 
because there's not other than Richard Reese. He's like the only guy that anybody could probably name, uh, you know, asking an average Big Twelve fan. So uh, I'm I'm super intrigued by by what this team ends up looking like, and not at all surprised that Shapin wasn't the only fault of their passing game. The receivers were young, but they got to grow up now. They just have to. Garrett, do you have the uh, the Florida Gators quarterback announcement has been made? Billy Napier who earlier, I think even today, had mentioned that they know who their starting quarterback is. They'd rather not, you know, tell anybody. And then later on, Edgar Thompson, who covers the Gators. Graham Mertz, transferred from Wisconsin, is now has become the starting quarterback for Florida, established himself in a, a pretty short amount of time. I, I don't think that it would have been good news if, he, if it wasn't Graham Mertz because of the lack of experience behind him and, uh, Wisconsin fans know that Graham Mertz is a little bit of an adventure when he was there, and 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 Billy Napier is hoping uh, that that they can get the most out of out of Graham. So we'll see. Uh, but that is that is what he's going to have to you know climb out of. He's got a, a pretty good quarterback coming in in DJ Lagway uh, in in twenty twenty four, but they've got to make it through this year first. So I, I think it's going to be probably a little bit. Raw. I wouldn't be surprised to see them be better on both sides of the ball and more efficient under Billy Napier, but they, they're they not to the talent level that they need to compete in the SEC East just yet. Well, they certainly lost a tremendous amount of buzz they had last year just because of Anthony Richardson mm-hmm. and just all the attention that was placed on him, you know, for various reasons. Uh, you know, NFL uh, potential there obviously played a, a lot of large role in a lot of the talk about him, but, you know, big arm, all that stuff. Uh, the start of the season – um, so yeah, this is a a, di- uh, it's a a big step down as far as the sizzle factor goes with um, Graham Mertz. But I do think you're right about the efficiency and, and things like that. It's just not going to be super sexy mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, fueled with you know star power necessarily. But I mean he's a he's a veteran guy. Um, you know they went and got him for a reason. Obviously he's a, a touch better than Jack Miller, and um, you know gets the job for now. But as we know with these starting quarterback announcements, that doesn't mean you're guaranteed the rest of the way because a lot of different things can happen. So I, I recommend that Jack Miller stay on his toes in the rest of that room. But yeah, let's see what Graham Mertz can do. And uh, you know entering year two, uh, what is the Florida feeling like around Billy Napier? Because I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of. Uh, I guess uh, excitement early, and then the year was just kind of what it was. And now, because of the quarterback spot in particular, it just feels like there's not a lot of like umph to it right now. So, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, on, you know, I think what maybe last year there. was probably more of um, recon- uh, the real realism hit. Like this, okay, this is who we are because this is a hot yeah. shot guy, and this is how much we need to get better because he's supposed to be pretty good and. I would think it's probably probably in a pretty good spot. They're under the radar. Well, look, they're if you look at their schedule right now, they're going to be underdogs in at least seven games. You know, start well, unless something changes. But just off the bat, I would say they'll be underdogs against Utah, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, Georgia, LSU, and FSU. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's pretty salty. That, yeah, and that that means. I don't know what Arkansas is going to be. They could wind up being underdogs in that game, and they've got to play them. They've got them at home. Uh, Well, you know this, the SEC, there'll be a couple of teams that flash early and then maybe kind of level off, and there's going to be a couple of teams that that are going to, you know, just because it it can be a a, a nightmare based on who you're playing next after next after next, and a couple of teams that won't be as good as we think. And and sounds like the Big 12. Now, this is is assuming that game one on August 31st, 
let's just say Cam Rising is healthy. I don't know if that's going to be the case or yeah, not. I don't see how. I, but. I don't see how. But let's if we throw that in there and Cam Rising is healthy, this is a team that has to play Cam Rising, Joe Milton, Devin Leary, Spencer Rattler, Carson Beck, who we haven't seen yet, Jaden Daniels, and Jordan Travis. Yeah. That, I mean, that is, that is tough. That is a tough – that's a murderer's row of – of who you're going to have to see. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting for Florida and how they how they claw out of where they've been. Oh, I didn't even mention uh, Malik Jefferson. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, yeah. So I skipped him over. And, they, like, if you – like, that's the other thing is there's so many teams that you could wind up in the schedule with that don't have established quarterbacks. Florida has the schedule with probably the most – you're talking about K.J. Jefferson. K.J., I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. K.J. Jefferson. Yeah, K.J. Jefferson. Yeah, K.J. Jefferson uh, at Arkansas. First I'm sorry I was like, about that. Like, yeah, first Jefferson. Like, yeah, Jefferson. Malik. No, yeah, that's the Texas linebacker, linebacker yeah. that was yeah, KJ, so hyped. Yeah, K.J. Yeah, Jefferson. So they've got a schedule that is almost nothing but established quarterbacks now. They might probably will avoid Cam Rising. But here today, Kyle Whittingham feels like he's got his most athletic team ever, and that was a game that Utah lost in Ben Hill Griffin, and Anthony Richardson took over that game. So he's not there. It's going to be different. That's one of the tougher schedules I've heard. Yeah. Just, you know, again, you have your – that's one of the things about – there are non-conference games that sometimes come and go based on how good both teams are. But then all of a sudden there are years when your non-conference games hit you right between the eyes because there's a reason it's a pretty damn good rivalry. And so they're kind of in the middle of all that, it appears to me, in, in that particular case. All right, Craig, anything from practice of notice? Um, no, not really. I mean, we were out there for a little bit of a shorter time today. Um, you know, running back room, still didn't see Bryson Washington, so I don't know if he's working his way through an injury, but – um, do have a little bit of concern of just the size of that group when I look over there, you know, and there's only like five guys taking snaps, yeah. and we know how last year went, and yeah. they basically had to thrust a true freshman, and basically they did, they thrust a true freshman into becoming the bell cow of the team, and he broke down along the way in so many in so many ways, so, um, you know, they've, they've got options and they've got fresh legs you know Dominic Richardson obviously was a big get for them in the transfer portal uh and he'll take a you know bulk of the carries away from Reese but um yeah just you look at them just being out there and it's clearly like the smallest group that they have and when you're running the offense they run I don't think that's good news that that's the smallest group that you have as your no, running back it's spot. surprising because that was one of your strengths or appeared to be your depth yeah, so and strength. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and like, oh my gosh, like so I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. It could be like a class thing or whatever. Um, but I asked and didn't get much of it. Like, it was like a, a non-answer really uh, because I don't know if who I asked really had the information. So I'll leave that where it is for right now. And I know it's been talked about on the site a little bit and it doesn't seem to be a long-term concern. But it's just it's noticeable when you watch that group of like, man, they've only got like four scholarship guys here and they're going to be running the football a lot. Um, and just, you know, I've seen a lot of young guys who have obviously changed their bodies. That kind of becomes like almost uh, mm-hmm. hack to talk about, you know, every year because that's just a, a, a foregone conclusion most of the time. But, you, you know, you see a lot of the guys young growing up and a lot of individual drills, so there wasn't a, a whole lot in terms of takeaways. Uh, but got a little up-close look at the quarterback. Seems like Sawyer Robertson's, you know, got a nice little uh, zip on the football, and uh, it feels good to know that, you know, Blake Shapin's got a guy that's challenging him and that, you know, Blake knows that uh, they are – 
in a situation where he's got to perform or they've got an option. And, um, you know, I'm, I think that'll drive him and, and make him play uh, hopefully at a, at a higher level. But, yeah, just kind of in the, in the thick of things and in the heat and just going about their business for the most part. Pat Forty, thanks for the update, Craig. Pat Forty from uh, SI.com with this story just now. Sources, the Stanford-Cal ACC realignment bid has stalled one vote short. <coughs> if that doesn't change, what are the options for the Bay Area schools? And that's what we were told, that it might just, they might not be able to get all the votes they need if it's one from Pat Forty. Just put this out on his Twitter page at Pat, uh, by Pat Forty, F-O-R-D-E. What yeah. do you need? 15? No, the, no, they needed 12, right? Yeah. yeah. So we know for a fact Florida State and Clemson were saying no. So it's just a matter of, was it Miami and North Carolina? It doesn't matter, but they well, the, appear uh, to be one vote. It says in the story, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, North Carolina State. Okay, Those NC were the State. four. So somebody's caved, and now, well, three of them have caved, according to, to 40. And uh, who that one outlier is... Uh, I don't know. Um, need to read the rest of the story since that just dropped, but he did mention, and it's been mentioned elsewhere. There, all, there was, though, you have to be careful because looking around last night, like I think every team under the sun was mentioned as a part of that four at one point or another based on what I was reading. It was hard to like, determine. Like Florida State was a constant, and then uh, Clemson was a constant. But besides that, I saw like every combination, I feel like, of almost every school for the other two spots of who was a no. And then finally, like, yeah, okay, it's Florida State, Clemson, NC, NC, UNC, NC State uh, are those four. But, yeah, now that's changed apparently. So um, mm. variation, like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, there is cause and effect here. And what happens with this situation has a direct effect on what happens with the Big 12's moves and what happens with, you know, the pack and, and all that stuff. So it's a – it's an interesting story for all involved. So Notre Dame, according to Pat Forty's story today, just now, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Louisville, I just like saying their name, as among the most vocal advocating for the Cardinal and the Golden Bears to join the ACC. But if the four that voted no say there's no changing our mind, then there's no point to bring no. it up anymore no. for them. So that's, you don't that's- take a vote... You don't, you don't go to a vote. In this case, they needed to in case. But you don't go to a vote knowing you're going to lose. That's bad business. Okay, yeah, so you know what? I'm stupid. I was just reading that all wrong. I was thinking that he was saying it as that somebody had changed their minds and now they needed one. But, okay, they're one short of the 12. All right, that I'm, no. I'm dumb. So I mean, they, they need the, one of the, I, Other than NC State, I think the other three teams were pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah, Florida State and Clemson for sure were mentioning every combination that I, I've seen. But, okay, no, that, I'm, I'm dumb and – no, you, rewind just, you, this. Just, you just you made, so yeah they need yeah. one of those four to flip and if they do then it's on to uh expansion for the acc and adding those schools so one of fsu that they're not going to change Clemson's right? not going to change Clemson's not going to change north carolina north carolina state comes down and, to the and i was told miami was a dead no but maybe they i don't even know maybe they did a no vote or maybe they did abstain from the vote i didn't see their name in the story well only needing one's a lot better than yep. needing like three or four of them because that seems like it would be nearly impossible to pull off but you know with that North Carolina tie-in, you would seem like those two would be pretty stuck yeah. together. And I think that NC State needs to – they need to be as closely aligned with UNC as oh, possible yeah. because UNC – Otherwise, would, they're talking Big 12, buddy. Yeah, yeah. which I don't think I would, that would that would be a nice fit for them. I think know. there's a lot of Big 12 fans that are like, hey, Virginia Tech, come on down. Like, you know, let's get Duke in basketball. Let's, let's roll, yeah. All, all of that, but – uh, I think that just to make sure, because you have to make sure that you have a home. So if you, if you can partner with somebody who for sure would, because UNC for sure would have a home 
then that's that's what you need to do. Hey, I just said this has nothing to do with what you're talking about, but it's about realignment. So if the Pac-12 wanted to like bring in teams from the Mountain West, we know there's an exit fee. But if it helped the Mountain West, and Navarez will be with us next week, and couldn't do it quite like we thought today, wouldn't you want to waive the exit fee? Is there still an exit fee? Well, and if, if that's he- the case, why wouldn't they then take the Pac-12 schools, change their name eventually, and then they, there is no no one has to pay an exit fee? Although I, I the brought Pac-12 that up. is a $50 million Comcast I, bill. Yeah, I brought that up earlier in the show, uh, and I wonder if that's something they could do, but then the Mountain West would be bail like it would have to be mutually beneficial. So I don't know. And they'd have to know with assurance that you're going to be an A5 conference, which I don't know if the other four would just go, oh, well, you have these teams now, you're, you're still an A5. You did it. Charles Pyle, Super Chat, what about using the antitrust law to stop this NFL-style system the media wants? Well, I think that's where it's going to get really tricky is uh, what, what direction is this all heading? And, you know, there has been talk about, like, I guess, like the grand plan um, that I've seen floating out there for a couple of years now when people discuss the Super Leagues is, you know, eventually the top two get so big that they break off on their own, la di da di and then they just say, hey, we're making so much money, we are paying our players, and we are basically treating them as employees, right? And so I guess that's where um, – You'd solve some of those issues, but I'm not a legalese guy. So I, I, if somebody else out there, I know we got a lot of smart people in the chat want to answer that. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a lot of, like, legal stuff that's in play here because of the fact that there is so much movement and all of it happening so quickly and there are so many ramifications that aren't even being considered amongst those that are being considered that uh, there's going to be lawyers. There will be well, lawyers involved for sure. One of the things the NCAA is trying to get Congress to do is give them the antitrust exemption. Yeah. So... That, I mean, that that's an issue that's up for debate right now. So, no. And it's, I mean, what are they, they, they're not going to make him go back. Well, I mean, they could, like, the, the incident was going to be careful because if they want to decide, like, we're going to retroactively punish you for antitrust, like, yeah. they could, you're talking about a stack of, of issues for the NCAA. Yeah, but to, to, yeah, to me, if they were going to do anything, they would have stopped them before. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah, no, yeah. like, here's the thing that you need to figure out because the NIL laws are probably DOA right now. Like, that's, that's not going to probably happen. All of that, uh, because of all this, if there was really an appetite to stop any of this, they would have stopped it. They, they and I don't know that they necessarily totally can. Yeah, I don't because I, I don't pretend to know the law and how all that yeah, works. So yeah. it's yeah, I don't think uh, there's appetite for this at the government level right now. One more thing, and then we get to our next guest on Clemson, Katie Raider. Thank you so much. Good week. Thanks. Thank you. Three sixty five. And three dollars and sixty-five cents. Coming Thank up you. next, uh, he played for Clemson, covers Clemson. Will Vandervoort, the Clemson insider, and we're going to get some knowledge from him on all this today in the ACC. And this is three sixty-five Sports. Looking for power, performance, adventure, or luxury? We've got it all at Alan Samuels in Waco. Find amazing deals during the Make This the Summer sales event on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler sedans, minivans, or a sporty Dodge. At Alan Samuels, we're committed to taking care of our customers, and that means a large inventory on hand for you to choose from. Shop alansamuelsdcj.com or come see us today at Alan Samuels in Waco. Come by. Let's be friends. 
Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Brad Wilson. Investing his time and experience back to you and your money during today's changing times. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Will Vandervoort covers Clemson, senior writer for Clemson Insider, and joins Paul, Craig, and David Smoke here on 365 Sports. And, Will, we just read uh, information, first thanks for your time, from Pat Forty that apparently the ACC did have a vote on Cal Stanford and that they're one vote short. Is that something you're hearing as well, and does that surprise you or not? No, it doesn't surprise me that they're one vote short um, because I know – uh, there were several teams that were – got, they got to have 12 
votes, so people understand, they got 12 of the 15 votes have to be um, to pass uh, to, to have to add Cal and Stanford. And um, I know there's three teams that are a hard no. So it sounds like they – I know at one point it was four teams, so they must have persuaded one of those teams to jump on or so, or two of them. But uh, I'd be interested to know who the who the one left no is. I know at one point Clemson was a hard no, so – a little surprised if it's Clemson that turns, um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that comes out. But, you know, I, I just don't really see, again, the, you know, why the uh, – it's not going to make a difference for the Atlantic Coast Conference if those two teams join the conference. It's not going to do anything from a revenue standpoint. It may add another $6 million a year, but that's still nowhere near what the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be making. And, uh, Clemson and Florida State are not going to be happy. So if they're one vote short of 12, that means, uh, you know, I definitely know Clemson and Florida State are the nose. Well, we, we have in the report, 40 mentions both North Carolina and NC State. Are the nose? That's, yeah. that's what he's reporting. Ah, uh, that's no way. No, that's no way that's accurate. There's just no way. There's no way Florida State and Clemson are saying yes. No, no, no. There's all no four way. of them are no. No, no. no. Clemson, FSU, oh, all four UNC. Of them yeah. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, you, okay, you were well, asking about who who may have been the other no's, and I'm saying that on top okay. of FSU, Clemson, it was NC State and North Carolina. Gotcha, gotcha. I misunderstood you. My apologies. Yeah, because I knew Clemson and Florida State were solid no's earlier this week, and North Carolina I knew was a solid no. And then there, there were three teams that were – sitting on the bubble, and NC State was one of those three teams, as was uh, Virginia Tech and Virginia. So, um, so yeah, so no surprise then that that North Carolina is – I'm a little surprised NC State said no because Bo Corrigan is a – you know, his dad was Bo Corrigan, the longtime commissioner of the ACC. Um, and, you know, he, I'm sure he wants to see the ACC survive and thrive as much as he can. A little surprised to see him say no, um, but I but I get it because it just it just doesn't it doesn't do anything for the conference those two teams coming to the ACC. So, Will, we know what Florida State's view on the long term, you know, ACC. They don't really care about the long term health of that conference. They want out. Uh, how does Clemson feel about the ACC long term? Well, Clemson's not happy. I mean, it's uh, there's a reason why they voted no. Uh, they uh, Clemson's been quiet, uh, which is their norm. They don't, they don't, they're not as hot-headed as Florida State is when it comes to things. They kind of stay quiet about and go about their business. Uh, but they've told the ACC. The ACC knows that Clemson isn't happy. Um, Graham Neff, I know he's been the athletic director for Clemson, has been at the forefront trying to get more money to go. Really, you know, he's basically came out and said it and talking to the media uh, last year that, you know, Clemson's carrying the conference and it's not right that Clemson's carrying the conference and there's other schools in the conference that aren't doing anything to improve their athletic departments and yet they're getting the same money Clemson's getting. And so Clemson's made it known they wanted to, they want revenue sharing, uh, you know, to kind of go towards those that deserve it more. They, they should get more money, I should say. Uh, than the teams that aren't doing anything, and uh, and that's part of the problem. And why Florida State and Clemson are disgruntled. They they came in in the spring and they're like, oh, you know, we everybody's happy. You know, where they're going to do this new revenue sharing plan that's going to help teams like Clemson, Florida State get a little bit more money. But when it all came out, 
it was going to be no more than like three or four or five million dollars. And Clemson and Florida State, like, okay, that's not going to do anything. You know, that's not going to move the needle and help us compete at a high level. And um, and so Clemson has been very adamant um, with inside the conference that they're not happy. And I can tell you guys right now that Clemson is um, ready to go if an invitation happens. Like Florida State, so people understand, Clemson and Florida State are ready to leave. They can't. The reason they haven't left is because they haven't gotten an invitation to leave. But if an invitation comes, I can tell you they're both gone. And the grant of rights, it doesn't. I mean, they they've already both schools have their plan on those grant of rights. Grant of rights is not holding them there. What's holding them there is just the lack of invitation. Will. What do you make or think, I should say, not, not what do you make, but what do you think and what do you think Clemson thinks of uh, the Notre Dame uh, stance of, you know, wanting a push for the PAC schools? But, you know, obviously, as most everybody points out, yeah, you're an ACC member, but you're not a member all the way. Just how is that sort of viewed by a school like Clemson, that they have a say, but they're they're not willing to go on themselves? Yeah, I can't speak for the administration because I haven't talked to them yet on record about what the he feels. So I can't really – speak for them and say this is what Clemson but I'll tell you what I've heard um, and I know just talking to just Clemson people that they really don't like the fact that Notre Dame is trying to persuade a football vote when mm-hmm. they're, they're not on the football they're not in the conference as a football team and so I can tell you just talking to some Clemson people that is they're not happy about it but as far as the athletic department or you know, I can't speak on behalf of them because, you know, that's not right for me to say how they feel one way or the other. But I can tell you what Clemson people feel, <laughs> and they're not happy uh, that, that Notre Dame is out there doing that. Why would the other teams in the conference want Notre Dame to have a say in football anyway if Notre Dame's the one that could solve this problem? I mean, honestly, if they came in the league, that would be the one thing you would think would make ESPN decide to open up the television contract yeah. a little bit. I mean, that to me, I don't know. No, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, if you're if you're Notre Dame and you're like, oh, poor Stanford, poor you know, a cow. Well, you can do something about that, Notre Dame. If you want Cal and them to really join the ACC, then how about you? pony up and join the ACC too as a full-time <laughs> member and then that way those two teams can come in there and everybody's happy and you know they can sing kumbaya and they get to play Stanford every year and everybody's happy right I mean you're right they Notre Dame is they just like to have their cake and eat it too and it's really kind of aggravating because the ACC a couple of years ago guys had an opportunity to really stick it to Notre Dame and say, hey, look, this is when COVID hit. And Notre, mm-hmm. nobody, Notre Dame could not play. If it wasn't for the Atlantic Coast Conference that year, Notre Dame would not have been able to play again because the Big Ten wasn't allowing it. The SEC wasn't allowing it. Neither was the Big 12. Neither was the Pac-12. Notre Dame was out. And the only relationship they had was with the ACC. And the ACC says, yeah, come on in. You can play. We'll, we'll figure a way to get you a schedule. You can play a conference chance, uh, schedule this year. And they did. And they got in the college football playoff because of it. Um, without even having to win the conference, they got in. So it's like the benefits proved, and the ACC was hoping that Notre Dame would see this and want to join the conference. But again, Notre Dame was Notre Dame. They used the ACC and got what they wanted, and then they said bye after they got what they wanted. You know, they're basically like that girlfriend that we all have that puts you in the friend zone, and uh, and you and you just you keep hanging on thinking she's going to one day 
give in and you're going to get to go out and everything's happy. Well, that's what the ACC thought was happening in 2020. And then as soon as COVID went away, they're like, okay, yeah, I'm done with you. I got what I need out of this relationship. I'm moving on. And that's what they did. And the ACC could have told them no then, and that really would have put pressure on Notre Dame to say they got to join a conference. And so the ACC dropped the ball in 2020. They had their opportunity then, and they let it go by. Yep, and we've seen what's happened with even a couple of conferences when they let something go by, and they look up and, oh, uh, we're in trouble. we got to go find a way to salvage ourselves. Dabo's not talking much about it. I would think he's so focused on football. If somebody brings up realignment, does he just kind of, like, deflect it? He, he did. Somebody asked him the other day about it, and he just kind of, like, yeah, I'm not really worried about that or thinking about that. You know, whatever they decide, it is what it is. I'll, you know, we'll play who we got to play kind of thing is what he said. And so, yeah, he's, he's been deflecting it. He's focused on um, getting this team ready for the college football playoff. Their goal is to make the uh, – well, they want to – obviously, the players are talking about winning the national championship and all as they should be. But Dabo has – who normally does not put out there that making the college football playoff is a goal or anything. He likes to say – their, their, their last goal is to always win their last game, whether that be in a bowl game or a national championship game or whatever. And so, but he's, he's made it at, uh, clear. He would love to be in this final four, uh, college football playoff. And, um, and just the one last, the, on the last year of it, because if Clemson is to make it, it would give Clemson seven appearances in the 10 years that the college football playoff existed, which is pretty, pretty good. You know, seven. You're hitting seventy percent. You're doing pretty good, right? If you're hitting seven hundred, so uh, he, he kind of want that's kind of their goal or what he wants to do, and so he's kind of getting his team focused on making a run and getting themselves into the college football playoff. Do you think that the Garrett Riley addition and the maturation of that defensive line, which looks like it might be coming around to the the glory days of you know Christian Wilkins and those guys. Uh, that uh, that that will be the difference in what was uh, kind of an off balance two years for them to now. Yeah, I think defensively, I think Clemson's in prime position as you mentioned. I think their defensive line is one of the best in the country. Uh, they got two of the best linebackers in the country, and and Barry Carter and, and Jeremiah Trotter, and their secondary is going to be much improved this year and got a lot of depth in the secondary. Something they haven't really had on the Dabo Sweeney in years past, and. This might be his best secondary. So when you add, look at that defense, you say, okay, well, that's a top 10, top five defense nationally. What is the offense? And when Clemson won the national, those national championships, they had a top five offense, top five scoring offense, top five total offense. Um, and so that was the, they complemented each other well. And so they feel like with the addition of Garrett Riley and what they already have in place at Clemson, you know, they got Kay Klubnick who – Garrett Riley recruited to to TCU and SMU. He wanted him to come with them there, and so they feel like they got the quarterback that fits that system. Um, they got the they got very athletic offensive linemen that kind of fit the system, and they think they got the wide receivers at least on their front line wide receivers that can really do some damage with along with a very very gifted and talented tight end in Jake Prettyfield. So uh, they feel like they can really move the football. The defense, the Clemson defense, is coming in after practice, and they're talking about what the offense is doing to them. And this is one of the best defenses in the country, as we just said, and they're having issues with them. So um, this might be what Dabo needed. And he made a big move last year that he went out and got Garrett Riley. And it, it stunned everybody because nobody saw that happening, including the people like me who cover Clemson. It, it, it caught us all by off, off guard. Um, so Dabo was being very proactive 
and knowing that he needed to take another step and change things up a little bit on his offense if he wanted to get Clemson back into the college football playoffs. Will, we appreciate your time. We'll come back to you when the season begins, probably more than you want. Uh, Will Vandervoort, the uh, Clemson insider, with us and really good stuff, both in realignment phase and also when it comes to their football team, which will be a top five or ten team, you would think, by the end of the year. Yes, and a little news from Oregon State. uh, As their president, uh, as we continue adding chapters to the realignment saga that will one day be published, but uh, Oregon State President Jayati Murthy, uh, this was from John Canzano, and I think some others have now uh, put it out there as well. But in a letter to uh, the OSU community, uh, she updates, or uh, I actually don't know if that's a male or female, honestly, but they update uh, the, I guess, uh, the alums on where they are now post everything happening last week and said they're making progress and defining the best pass forward. And this was the big line that everybody took away. Uh, it's a woman. Okay, thank you. Uh the big line taken away, we continue to believe that preserving the Pac-12 is in the best interest of OSU student-athletes and the remaining universities, and so we are doing everything in our control to stabilize and rebuild the conference. It mentions that Oregon State will play an important role in navigating the future of the Pac and realignment across the Western United States uh, You know, more broadly. Uh, says they're ready for the challenge. It also kind of rallies the troops a bit in a couple of the, you know, like, hey, we need everybody showing up to support athletes and, you know, showing up to games. And I know that's not going to do much for, in the way of, you know, affecting anything immediately, but I'm sure it would make a lot of the student athletes who aren't, you know, uh, I guess having trouble with this uh, idea of, of the move going on and what could happen to them, uh, you know, having support there, I'm sure is great. But that's basically, that's the line everybody's taking away is uh, Oregon State making it known their intent is to All keep right. the Pac-12 together. They put a, a will take a very important role. There's only four of you. I'm not True. trying to downgrade what she's saying, but you better. I mean, you're you're only one of four. You all better be focused and locked and loaded and making sure that they move forward. And the only thing I've noticed, and one of the things that I noticed, two things, Colorado has a lot of border uh, meet, regents meetings. And then also, um, well, universities love putting out statements, don't they? Oh, yeah. I can understand when there's been something, like, really bad or they're celebrating something and I – but, man, there's a lot of statements the Pac-12 and some of the programs put out over the last 12 to 13 months. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, go ahead and focus on saving the Pac-12. I, I would I would use that energy, um, you know, to maybe make airline travel better. I mean, that, that might be easier. Yeah. Because it's I, – I don't – Well, for one, I think that uh, they are probably still having an open line of communication with the Big 12 just in case. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that would be fair to speculate. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, then – Oregon State, Washington State? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, if not, they, they have a phone that has yeah, the red If phone, not, yeah. that they are – they have completely lost their mind. They need new leadership. So, yeah, I mean, it's nice to say that statement, but where did it also come from? Mm-hmm. It came from one of the two schools that doesn't seem to have many options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that come from Stanford – I think that would have been far more notable. Had that come from Cal, probably would have been a bit more notable because they do at least have potential elsewhere, whereas Oregon State's and Washington State's is pretty much dependent on those other two, right? So, um, yeah, take that as you will, but just passing that along that Oregon State's president has spoken and, and let their intent know they want to stick the Pac-12 out and uh, – See it through. Uh, Oregon State's got a really good football yeah, team. Yeah, they got man. a damn good football they team. Do. Yeah. Golly. Like they got, do. That's the thing. And, 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 you know, there's other schools that have pretty good teams that are sometimes left out of the equation of what it might be the future. 
But, man, they're right on the precipice of, like, really okay. something special. Let, let me – look, both Oregon State and Washington State have really good teams. Yes. And they have head coaches that if they wind up not in the – you know, in a power conference, which is where their trajectory is headed now, the minute – look, if somebody – whoever gets fired at a big job – if you're looking for a good coach, Jonathan Smith would be on the top of mm-hmm. my list. He's a really good coach that maybe a lot of people don't know about. He's an alum at Oregon State. Obviously, he's probably sitting in his dream job right now, but if his dream job is not going to be able to give him a raise, commensurate right. with the rest of the industry in a couple of years, he's going to go take one that's, and, that's better. And, and by the way, just being honest, even if the Pac-12 stayed together, if either one of those programs, and there's probably 90% of most programs, if they have success, you think there's just a chance that somebody's going to rate them. Uh, yeah, probably, but uh, I don't know, man. We, we need some answers before we, we have any idea of what that next step is, and the pack is that one that's still lingering, and mm-hmm. I know that's affected by, again, what the ACC wants to do and all of that. So, yeah, um, they're, you know, the Beavers at least are wanting to stick around in the Pac-12, but like I said, I'm sure the moment that Big 12 phone call came that they would be very interested in listening, as are many others, obviously. So as the world of realignment turns, uh, they are the latest to speak up, but we'll see what it amounts to, if anything. When we come back, Paul Catalina wraps up the week with Paul Catalina. His top five, this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac. They are the people that you can count on for great customer service, also for great deals on your vehicles, whether you're looking to buy new or pre-owned. Uh, they can take care of you and uh, square you away. Get uh, whatever you need done over there at the dealership and do it uh, in a good amount of time. And also uh, do it with uh, your best interest in mind and, and do it in a way that makes you feel good and makes you know that you chose the right dealership, as I felt uh, the last couple of times that I've had to go over there to get my car worked on. Uh, very friendly, great customer service, uh, quick in getting the job done, and uh, have had no problems ever since. But right now, if you are one of those in the market for a new vehicle, well, uh, do realize if you're planning on heading over the dealership, Highway 6 is a bit of a mess to navigate, but because there's construction, they know it's a little harder to get to them these days. Uh, they're making buying new cars, trucks, and SUVs uh, even easier. And right now, amongst the new models, they've got the 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s, which are discounted thousands of dollars. Qualified buyers can finance a GMC Sierra 1500 for 0.9%. Also, dozens of Sierras on the lot. Uh, They've got inventory, they've got nice pricing, and the financing to get you into a new GMC Sierra model today. Also, they've got the uh, ranked number one overall brand for luxury vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. That's Buick with a luxury SUV without luxury pricing. Right now, save $32.50 on a new 2023 Buick Encore GX plus qualified buyers Get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2024. That's just the new offers. They've also, and not all of them, but just some of them. They've also got a lot full of quality pre owned cars and trucks as well. And their award winning service department is standing by to keep you on the road and to service your car or truck uh, to make sure you've got great peace of mind when driving it. So check out the business that's been in business for 24 years in Central Texas, run by proud Baylor Bears and proud Central Texans. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off highway six at the imperial exit the future's bright the time is now college is what you make it it's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project it's having big dreams and making them a reality it's a professor who knows your name and your story it's preparation for your future your calling your life and at baylor it's even more 
lights shine bright. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5 Brought to you by Texas Beef House Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu From our pasture to your plate TexasBeefHouse.com Top 5 people to blame for the Pac-12 collapse Maybe next week I'll have ACC realignment stuff to to do. I don't know. Um, I kind of hope not, but we'll see. It'll give you another chance to mention Florida State. Yeah, I don't know. They're confusing me, man. They're really confusing me. I don't know. Like, I want them to get more money. I just don't know what the plan. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the plan is. Doesn't none of it makes any sense. At all. Yeah, what do you think? Of, I mean, we probably got to run here, but I yeah. mean, the idea of playing everybody in, like, the Super League BS or whatever, like, that's cool, but, like, are you cool if they're doing it and they're going 8-8 eight and eight every year? Yeah, like, that's, I mean, I, you know, having to listen to you the last couple of years talk about it as an Oklahoma fan, like, you know, are you are you ready to, to not be the best team in the conference necessarily? Yeah. And maybe they wind up being it, but... I would think that 
it will take a while for teams to understand it's an NFL kind of record. I do think for Oklahoma, this they kind of needed it, though, in a way, to get over this hump of, like, there's that one last missing piece. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what they were going to possibly do in the Big 12 that was ever going to push them over that. So, in my mind, yes, there's a very good percentage chance that they could struggle, at least initially, but it is Oklahoma, and they're not going to fail and just not be good at football. So, they'll move heaven and earth to get there. It's just a matter of how much time it takes. But I do wonder if for them in particular, they kind of need that extra oomph from the SEC to propel them into finally winning a national championship again for the first time in over 20 years. Well, and look, with a 12-team playoff, it, it's yeah, different. It's you, different. You have different goals. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a friend, Nelson, at the gym who tells me all the time, the Cowboys have won so many NFC East titles since the Super Bowl. I'm like, so? Yeah, who <laughs> you know, cares like, about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. It's no, not that right. big of a deal. Yep. So maybe conference titles feel a little bit like that uh, down the line. But number five. Let's go. Kevin Warren, uh, who's, you know, playing at world domination, uh, you know, Got USC and UCLA out of this, uh, out of the, the Pac-12 and, and on down the line. And he was very aggressive and didn't really – and he was a short timer anyway. He didn't have a, a long-term view of how this has ended up. His goal was to make the put the Big Ten in the best position they could to get the best P- TV they, they could. He went to Los Angeles and plucked two teams out of it and then said, all right, got that done. I'm going back to the NFL. No matter what he does with the Bears, he will – when you look up his legacy, that is going to be, unless he leads the Bears franchise to Super Bowl, but the coaches and players get the credit, that's his legacy mm-hmm. forever. Uh, for college football fans who paid attention to that side of things, I think there's a bunch of people who don't know who the heck he probably is, yeah. and there's others that maybe what he did previously you know, stands out to them. But, yeah, no, I mean, for college football fans who follow realignment the last few years, he is a polarizing figure who absolutely was at the controls of the entire thing starting to – to go uh, basically i mean uh, oklahoma and texas were first but we still don't know when they were even going to announce that like yeah. that just came out and so you know maybe that would have been more on the same timeline but yeah he absolutely deserves some of the blame although i don't think he probably feels very guilty about that at all <laughs> quite frankly no, i don't think he does he hadn't probably thought much about it ever no yep, yep. Uh, all right number four the tv networks look if they didn't want this to happen in some way shape or form it wouldn't have mm-hmm. if they really thought that their best bet was to keep everything together. They could have even told Kevin Warren, like, look, we appreciate your your global vision here, but it doesn't work for us that way. Here's the the reality of the situation. That was not the case. So this is happening. And, look, they should maybe be higher up on the list for why this is happening overall. But as far as the Pac-12 goes, I mean, that, to me, they're fourth. And we'll get to the other three in a second. But, yeah, none of this would be happening if they decided, no, we – we think USC and UCLA belong they had, there. They had a what is that? Um, golly, when a pardon? They had a pardon. It could have, it could have ended all of this. Yeah, they didn't want it, then it wouldn't happen because they're not buying what you're selling. A lot of people want to make them the the big bad in this whole thing, and I mean they certainly played their role, like you said. But I don't think it was the the biggest role. Uh, so yeah, four seems about right. Let me see what these other three are. But I mean they certainly had a hand in everything, and they could have kept the Power Five alive and well. But I think just the way it's all going, that they love the idea of streamlining it and getting rid of some of the excess. And you know, based on everything that's been said, like here's the deal, guys. This wasn't supposed to be the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be the Big Twelve that yeah. we're talking about. Like this was supposed to be 
be the Big 12 that died. And I think ESPN's probably as shocked as anybody that that's how it turned out. I think everybody's shocked by that because for all intents and purposes, the Big 12 was supposed to die uh, once Oklahoma and Texas left, not go and double in size and help kill the pack along the way. Like, there's nobody that could have foreseen that coming. But the pack did what they did with their TV deal, and the rest is history. Number three, the university presidents. When you get a television offer and it says it's $30 million and you say, no, we want 50, and then they say goodbye, and you don't immediately call back and go, whoa, whoa, maybe we... Just kidding. Maybe, maybe we or overshot. They're sleeping the wheel. Yeah, and a lot exactly. of them were the, like gullible about what was going yeah, on every, this whole time. All this stuff. And when you only listen to what you want to hear and not what you need to hear, that's where it got them in. Because they, they believed their own hype. They, they believed that they were above it all. And they did not have a grasp on the overall situation. They were lost. It was not it was not going to happen for them. And they could have prevented it. They could have taken a more realistic view and been like, all right, look, let's take the best deal we can and figure out down the line. And then maybe let's try to start a real alliance, not the fake one. Let's go through and really do that. Let's do something that's innovative and different so that the three of us that are behind the two power conferences can make some headway. But they didn't do that because they're aware of the Pac-12. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah, um, I can't believe we talked about Kevin Warren and didn't mention the alliance and, and how what a joke that turned out to be. Well, Golly, that was a, you a talk joke. about a guy that was playing poker and knew Jeez. exactly what was in his Remember how pompous people fold? were about that, too, at yeah. the time? Of oh, like, yeah. That, remember, that wasn't the Big 12 was supposed to die. They were out of the alliance, and the SEC didn't need no stupid alliance. So there was one conference left out in the cold, and the alliance turned out to be a big pile of nothingness. Like, it didn't amount to anything other than... Just uh, a funny story uh, for those on the way out poking at how absurd the whole pack situation is. Is that they were part of the alliance at one point in time? It made no difference whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was just arrogance or, or what. I, I don't know these folks, but they were asleep at the wheel. That's that's fair to say, or just overvalued themselves for sure. Number two, Larry Scott, and so you can probably what? guess who number one, one is. No, here's oh, the deal, and I will okay. give you the explanation on why number one is. Larry Scott put them in a position to be poached. He. The Pac-12 Networks was bad. The moving the conference off, like San Francisco office building, and all the rent their panel, all those different things, bad decisions. The Comcast thing, all that's bad. All of it was bad. And I'm gonna maybe do these two in in unison here, Garrett. All of it was bad, and he left them in a really bad spot. But number one, George Klyovkov knew that he had done that and had every opportunity to try to fix it mm-hmm. and did nothing to do that. So it's George Klyovkov, number one, because he knew it because he walked in, he assessed it, and went, oh, okay. And instead of telling the Pac-12 presidents or getting everybody out of their own way, they kept on the same exact Larry Scott path that they'd been on, and they let him go for a reason, and then they didn't change it. So George Klyovkov, with the knowledge he had going in, to me is the biggest uh, reason because he could see what had happened and then did nothing to stop it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll need an explanation on that one day because I've seen you know all of the finger pointing that's going on and uh, there sure is a lot of it. But you know, yeah, he he had to have had a better grasp on the situation, and, and but instead they just played the slow long game and had several warnings of like that's probably not the smartest play but did it anyways and not only did it but kept on doing it and then kept on doing it and then kept on doing it and i would just love to know 
you know, after the fact, at some point in time, it's not earth-shattering news or anything like that, but just, was he lying to folks? Like, how, how much were they just, they didn't know, not because they were, but they were being told the wrong information. They were being led to believe one thing that wasn't actually true, and how much did he have a hand, you know what I mean? Well, well it's up to them, though, to... Sure. Yeah, they should... But I if think he's presenting them a TV back. deal and saying, hey, guys, this is what we're hearing, blah, 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 like, why shouldn't they trust that? But I don't even it's know. The there, was a, there was in the report today, or yesterday in The Athletic... That there were times he was not communicating at all. Well, and here's why I wonder between Colorado and the and the pack the, and the and the, there's uh, the, cause the and effect for everything. If he got that first offer and they said go back with fifty million, and then he told them we're not getting fifty million, and then they told him don't come back until it's somewhere around there, and then he never got there, then he just took them at face value and wasn't going to come back until he got to that number. Which they trusted him. Yeah, and yeah. He that was a mistake. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. At, yep, there you go. Uh, he has to be right there full. And that wasn't it damning last night when the story comes out that there was a meeting that he was not a part of? Well, yeah, and then Oregon State comes out with their statement just a little while ago, and I know that they don't really have a choice. Like, they, they have to hope that the Pac-12 stays together or that some other things shift in a way that lines up perfectly for them to get a call from the Big 12 or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, that's was, what I'm wondering about. Was his name about. even it, in that statement? What? Was his name ever in that statement at all? No, because what I'm about to say is like, okay, yeah, you're all going to force stick together. Who's the commissioner? Because it can't be him. Yeah, no, it can't be him after it's what just happened. Somebody that said, said okay, so they had, they had to have given or like put the wand on a shoulder of one of the four presidents. It couldn't be Stanford. He's leaving. But that's just one of the other things yeah. they have to now figure out. If in fact they're going to stay together, well, then you're probably going to need a new commissioner. Might be the so, girl, yeah. the woman that we have on. In fact, next uh, week uh, we will have Gloria Devarez on Thursday of next week. She. Apologize for the miscommunication with the time zone. I'll be I'll be a no vote against her as commissioner now because of that. But we'll have her tomorrow. Emery, thank you so much, Garrett Ross. Tomorrow, what you said? We'll have her tomorrow, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Thursday. Uh, Emery, thank you so much, Garrett Ross, Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina. I'm David Smoke. Thank you to all who watch us when you can on 365 Sports or on the app, which is fantastic. Brought to you by Alan Samuels. Have a great weekend. Back on Monday. Sports tonight at 10.30 on the local CW presented by Rooftop Innovations. Good night. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com.